radioinfluence.com. Let me tell you why you're here. You have 210 stories, what two office buildings. We just witnessed some kind of. You don't find a desk. Secondary. Secondary. You don't find a chair. Follow up explosion on the World Trade Center. You don't find a telephone. Some kind of explosion. A lot of smoke come out of the top. 110 stories high. They are no longer there. The building collapsed to dust. To dust. To dust. To dust. To dust. This is your last chance. I would ask. After this, there is no turning back. Once all the facts are out, you take the blue pill. For your understanding. The story ends. And for your forgiveness. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. Media is the... You take the red, red nervous system of a democracy. You stay in Wonderland. If it's not functioning well, the, the democracy, democracy can't function. function. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The, the democracy red can't pill. function. The red pill. Take the red pill. You have to let it all go. Take the red pill. Fear. again for my cathartic release my weekly <laughs> my weekly dump on the universe that's how it works man it's like you get to shake your fist at the universe and go we could do so much better if only we could <clears throat> and then it's like you gotta fill in the categories like okay what's the topic a money system, which is, you know, kind of the capstone of the pyramid shit. Okay. Yeah, there's still going to be a way to corrupt it. There, always, there will always be people who are just fucking scumbags. Who don't have a conscience. And who just will always act uh, selfishly in their own best self-interest. I don't care how you phrase it. Uh, not to be a pessimist or, or you know hugely cynical and I'm not if you listen to this show you know I'm not I'm a pretty positive person but let's face it uh, there is no such thing as a utopia or some type of perfect society that's impossible you will completely uh, flush out the individualistic uh, nature and things and animals and people and cultures and societies and music and art and the more you fuck with it the more it becomes bland and it's like, you know, Roddy Piper putting the sunglasses on and everything's black and white. And there's like always one underlying central message versus diversity. Which is where I, when I look into my universe, that's all I see is diversity. It's amazing. Like, you know, look out the window. I see eight different flowers growing in my neighbor's yard. All different colors and sizes and shapes. Diversity. So, um, tonight's show is going to focus on, and uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of new to some of these people I, I play to you on a regular basis now. Semi-regular basis. 
But I, uh, I, I have to admit, I'm just fucking stoked. I am watching. I, I, what? The next generation. It's like it started with just having a. It didn't even start. It didn't start with YouTube channels. It started with YouTube. It started with different places you could watch a documentary, whether it was someone's bulletin board. <clears throat> and obviously, you know, the detail and, and how many different times they had to refine their message. Um, it was frustrating, but healthy to watch. It's like, okay, what's the truth? Okay, okay, there were no pods under those planes. Maybe that's the way when you photograph a lot of those planes. Maybe there were. Maybe there was a missile under that plane. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe there was an incendiary device. We don't know. You know what? And the reason we don't know is because, A, you got to be able to say, I don't know. But, B, uh, that's what the Internet's for. That's why everybody is coming together and sharing videos and kind of chewing each other new ass from time to time. And I'm not a big fan of either side, you know, whether it's progressive media or whether it's a conservative media or whether it is um, plain old democratic media, you know, mainstream media, liberal media. If it's if it's brand new media to the Internet, if it's someone who's been established <clears throat> a little while and I'm kind of stumbling into them. I'm so excited to see this. And it's kind of funny. I think you're going to hear the same message from two different people I'm going to play you tonight as we kind of walk through. And here's what they do what I do. And they do what other air personalities do. They walk you through a video stopping, starting. So I'm going to walk you through their, or at least one of them's anyways, walking us through a video. And it is to show you how new media, new minds, new thinkers, new intelligent people uh, with consciousness and and their minds in the right place, and they don't. The reason they don't align themselves with the party is they see the trap in it, and they're like, "Well, I don't know. I might have a conservative opinion about something, or I might have a liberal opinion about a specific topic. If you put me in a box, where's my growth? Where can I change my mind? Where can I say I'm sorry? Where can I say I completely disown the person I used to be?" People are allowed to grow. People are allowed to morph and change. Not only allowed, that's what we do. So as we do this, and as they see, uh, well, let's just face it, I'm 56. These, these guys are younger. But the new media of the Internet is, is so fun to watch because it's great to see intelligence. It's great to see them calling each other out and finding out where the facts are, finding out where the truth is. I... I'm not feeling nostalgic about it, but I am excited, as I think I even mentioned it last week in the brief show I did, and we'll get to that in a second, um, but I'm kind of excited to watch how this works out with new media because there's there's a melting down of the old school media. Uh, God, what's he call it? Oh, shit, legacy media. We're going to get to one of my favorite new discoveries here in a second. And he calls it legacy media. Basically, the old school media, the old CBS, ABC, NBC, uh, PBS, uh, Fox, anything that had a network, and a lot of corporate advertising dollars were spent there. And a lot of uh, the 24-hour news cycle was either generated at one of those stations or cycled 
at the other stations. Oh, people are talking about the bombing in London. And for the next 24 hours on every single station for 24 straight hours, you hear like one story and no one's asking, well, do we have facts about this? No, they're just they're just delivering you a narrative. That's not news. It's not news anymore. It is paid for propaganda. It is either deliberately lying to you or deliberately omitting things you need and should know. It's one or the other or both. It's usually both. And what they'll get away with is they'll go, hey, we showed you the truth on this story about a crashed airliner. Or, you know, we're your 24-hour news station. And you know what? A good portion of what they do present to me is actual factual information based on, I don't know, forensic science or investigative reporting. Or, uh, I don't know, eight eyewitnesses or a fucking video that could show, I don't know, an airplane hitting a building. You know, the actual facts being delivered to me, they do that a lot of the time. So they don't really think bad about themselves because a lot of the time they do actually give us factual information, news. Just here it is. Here's how it happened. Here's the person who saw it. Here's the person. Boom. The rest of the time, they are a mouthpiece. They are a propagandic, propagandist, propagandist finger. Picture propaganda as a hand. And they'll come at you from different angles to make you think they're different than the other fingers. They're all part of the same hand. You know, if your thumb on your right hand represents the left, then there it is, MSNBC. Way over here is my pinky, and that's Fox News. And then there's everything in between pretending that they're somehow different. They're not any different. Because if they were different, they would actually do investigative reporting. Instead of being mostly pundits... Mostly opinion and very little actual factual news gathering. And they are being left in droves. That's really what tonight's show is about. We're going to do Alex Jones versus Megyn Kelly. Really, tonight's show, the, the central theme is, we. I am, I didn't think I'd see it, but the way things are accelerating and the way quantum... Um, <clears throat> quantum mass or what's it called like when you critical mass when critical mass reaches a certain stage it obviously becomes critical mass and there's no stopping that chain reaction there's no stopping the domino effect of a wave of change and of course you know i'm describing an atomic reaction but this is what what i'm so excited about having been in the media for 37 years having kind of got my ass handed to me because I thought I could speak my mind on regular terrestrial radio and found out after the fact that, yeah, you're talented, but (laughs) you're not speaking the narrative ledge. My own reality, in other words. The real fact, like, oh, crap, I didn't realize it. The guys down in the hallway were allowed to talk about bombing the brown people, but I wasn't allowed to ask questions about where are the fighter jets on 9-11 or something? And just you get to that reality where you realize, yeah, I got a little bit of a following. I got some ratings. I've had some success. And at the end of the day, if I'm if I rock the boat, I'm just to kick you out the door. So as I am watching and that was 2004 referencing. So now here we are in 2017 and now we're looking at. 
um, you know, Fox is falling apart. Uh, every cable channel that has a news association or a news gathering association associated with it right now is failing badly, losing viewers or listeners because people now realize who owns them, what the agenda is, why they lie to you, why they omit things you sh- should really know. And what we do see, I think I mentioned this last week a little bit, is I don't know if it's like they're Pravda and they're struggling to try to get some news out to people. So the only thing they can do is, you know, if people are talking about Seth Rich and there's a huge contingent of new media doing that, and suddenly they get hit hit pieces from newspapers and TV stations pointing out these new individual media stars. Now, wrong words. Uh, just new media. They're not trying to be stars. Okay. Well, if if they're being poked at, and someone who goes to MSNBC doesn't know anything about who you know one of these people are, suddenly clicks on their channel. That. Pravda newspaper kind of subliminally sent someone somewhere they should be going to. I don't know if I if I think that because every time I watch some of these videos, you'll see them defending them uh, their brethren, and they'll say so and so did a hit piece on so and so, and I'm like, well, that guy's got you know, four times as many viewers as, as this person, like Holly's brand new, I think, and, you know, 4,000 listeners or viewers isn't exactly a huge audience. Who would know about her unless you go person-by-person person recommendation, likes, algorithms, that thing? Sometimes that can take a while. Now, someone who's got half a million viewers, boom, picks a fight with her. Is that person who's stuck in the boring asshole I'm part of the mouth of the establishment I work at a newspaper or TV station is that person desperately trying to turn people on to people that are seeking the truth are they Pravda at the end of Pravda where the the messages were between the lines you were reading and oh yes they're crazy conspiracy theorists do you realize how many times that that term has been used in the last couple of years it is being used with almost every fucking story now it's almost like it's a code word for yeah look into this what if it were what if and I know I'm going out on a limb here but what if a lot of the newspaper and TV people, young, energetic, just you know, graduated from journalism school, going to change the world, got in, got their job, got their desk, got their nameplate, and realized, here's your story you're going to release. What do you mean? No, 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 no. We don't lean that way. Well, what's the other side story? Oh, we don't care about what the other side story is. This is your byline. Here are your opinions. Hands you a piece of paper. Welcome to the newspaper industry or television. Okay, no, no, you look good on camera. We hired you. No, you know. So what if a lot of those people aren't really assholes? 
and aren't really trying to turn people off to truth seekers, literally trying to sling mud at this new generation of people that are on the internet tweeting and blogging and vlogging and YouTubing. And I'm just seeing this massive influx of people leaning in both directions, mind you, that are just really going at it toe to toe. There's no better way to, to describe it than in the new media wars. And think about how people will talk about this in 10 or 15 years. Remember, knowledge is the ultimate power. If a large, large contingency of human beings now know a good central truth and it can unite them, then look out, world. We're going to see some massive quantum leaps in the right direction, you know, energy use and and, and everything. He's treating the planet with balance and, and those kind of things. So I think if we can get to having hundreds of new media people rather than, what do we got on my chart here? Six? Six. So right now, six, six fucking companies own everything you he, hear, see. Now, I'm not talking about the internet. <clears throat> I'm not talking about the cable. If you get cable and the internet comes via Comcast, Comcast can't control the information. Mm, slow down. <clears throat> but you got GE, which is NBC, Universal. You got News Corp, which is Fox, Wall Street Journal, Disney's ABC, ESPN, Viacom, everything from MTV to BET to CMT, Time Warner. CNN, HBO, Time Magazine, CBS, Showtime, Smithsonian Channel, and Jeopardy! <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Gotta bring my chart back up. Here it is. So we're, um, you know, Gandhi. Gandhi would say, you know, first they ignore you. Then they make fun of you. Then they fight you. Then you win. That's how truth works. So first they'll go, oh, crazy conspiracy theorists making fun of you, right? I'm sorry, ignoring you. Completely ignoring you. That's level one. Seth Rich, uh, there's some information about... Uh, what's Seth Rich? Whatever. So anyways... There's level one. Level two. They make fun of you. <clears throat> you know, uh, Julian Assange has all but hinted that Seth Rich was the DNC leak for those emails and that it couldn't have been Russia. <laughs> That's a crazy conspiracy theory. <laughs> this guy's funny. Dude, do you stand up? Uh, fuck you. What's level three? Not only fight you. Because basically you haven't gone away. They just thought you were going to be a pesky mosquito. Turns out you're going to be more than that. So now we're into level three. That's really what this show's about is we're seeing more than ever. Now you always had the left versus the right, you know. You know, someone on like Keith Oberman would go after Bill O'Reilly or or uh, Colbert would go after um, Sean Hannity. 
I mean, I'm not saying this stuff is new. It's been around a while. But now it's different. Those were the two same corporately owned entities faking not liking each other and creating the two-party paradigm. What I'm talking about in this show is that paradigm, and a brilliant breakdown is coming in a couple of minutes here from one of my new heroes. That paradigm is breaking down, and the paradigm it's fighting with is new media. It's so fucking cool. Seriously, you have to understand, having done what I've done in my career and having watched it be co-opted and owned by corporations, and I kept saying to myself, you know, where's the opposite opinion of this or where's the opposite opinion of, of anything? Now, why can't we bring forensic science into an investigation? And I watched how the government and the way the so-called 9-11 Commission and how it was built and who was behind the scenes... And I watched how so-called truth was literally whitewashed. I was too young to understand Kennedy's assassination and, and that so-called investigation. But with 9-11, my eyes were open. And now I'm seeing, maybe not, I, I said this before, this is not on the same level as 9-11. This is the murder of one or two people. But what the Seth Rich, DNC leaks, WikiLeaks, Josh Lucas, um, all of that, and, and of course the Russia narrative and how the mainstream media's last gasp, and I'm defending Trump, I don't know, I think he's a buffoon, but right now he seems to have a lot of people mad at him, and I like that. He's just stirring up the pot, good, good, good. If the deep state don't like him, good. That's that's a good positive sign. He's fucking with something and someone, and you know what? Good. Maybe you can only do a little bit. Maybe you can't. I don't. I don't know. But you know what I like? I love watching the reaction from the deep state, and the deep state controls the narrative. And look at how they're going after him. He's not under investigation. He's never have has been. They want him out. Why? Is he fucking with people? Is he stirring up the pot? I think so. I don't know. So I, I'm not. Pro-Trump, I'm not anti-Trump right now, you know. But you know what I do know? That DNC lawsuit is fucking huge. Huge. This isn't some just one guy got killed. This is your vote didn't matter. And oh yeah, we just sucked $290 million out of your fucking pockets and lied to you. And since we're the DNC, we can do, oh, super delegates, yeah, we can do whatever we want. Who cares who you vote for? Do you realize the, the repercussions of having it admitted in a court that your vote never mattered? Tell me that's not a huge fucking story. Now, the reason people on a day, you know, they lean left. Oh, man, I'm so embarrassed by that. I can't believe we did that to Bernie. You know, there's people that lean left and like, man, they keep coming after us on this. Why don't they just forget it? Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia. You know, so they get into their defensive posture and they're like, Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia. Ah! You know, like, because they can't deal with the fact that their party fucked anybody who even liked Bernie Sanders over or tort. <laughs> Gave money. 
how is that not a goddamn huge, huge? How is Bernie Sanders not even mentioning it? Oh, yeah, by the way, when push comes to shove, he's part of the machine. He might be a fun cog and a shiny cog, but he's a cog. Because if he wasn't a cog, he'd go, I've been fucked by these people and, and I'm going to sue. Other people are suing. He's not. He ran. He got fucked. Other people are suing. Sorry, Bernie. You just lost your, your man card, dude, or your whatever. I mean, I love you some of your platform. You know, go after the banks and quit the fracking and, and that stuff. But uh, let's face it. Let's face it, Bernie. So the mainstream media is not only going down for the count. They're going down swinging, though. You know what? I'm going to give them credit. They're going down swinging. People are dive. Uh, this is just going to be a man. This guy's good. He's a young kid, and I'm going to introduce him here in a second. Uh, I would, when I get back into doing you know interviews and and people on. Once I move, in other words, and my studio is permanent, then I'll be able to get into doing that kind of stuff. I'm going to reach out to a lot of these uh, people that are uh, out there pushing buttons and asking all the right questions, and that's awesome to see. So. In my lifetime, I've been able to see the crumbling. Uh, if the mainstream media is a dam and it's holding back the things we need to know, things we need to talk about, things we need to come together on, uh, coming at least meeting halfway and having a discussion on a wedge issue with a gun owner or a uh, pro-lifer or, you know, the whole idea of media in my mind has always been to let's, you know, it's kind of like the campfire sitting around and talking things out. And it's never been that it's always been the opposite. So I've been a man on a mission professionally when I started doing dangerous conversation was to say, all right, fuck it. You don't want to play by the rules that the FCC gave, granted you the license to do that. In other words, act in the interest of the public or in the public interest reason we're granted this broadcasting license is because we're proving all that stuff was slowly weaned out by Clinton and the fucking telecom bill. And I started to see something I was proud to be affiliated with, radio, television, newspaper, as slowly becoming a mouthpiece. Um, it, it was slow at first. It was because it had to do with buying, you know, buying up another 10 stations here and plugging in this guest host, and now we have the same opinion on in seven more cities. You start to see it at that level, and that's where I was. And I knew I had talent, and I was never approached, and yet I would see other people, if they had a certain, definitely back then, you know, war on terror kind of mentality, I started seeing those people get air shifts, weekend stuff being considered to be added to a station lineup. I started st seeing that the reason my career was starting to slow down was, holy shit, it is about my content. It's not about my talent. And I had a conversation with one of the bigger PDs. Oh, yeah, we saw, you know, we have progressive hosts on in these stations here. And, and then I looked at the list. And it was about 600 stations had, like, rush on, right? You know, And those same 600 stations had, like, I think five of them had a liberal host on somewhere in their lineup. And I'm not talking liberal versus progressive. I'm talking about controlling a message. 
whether it's the left controlling the message like it is now or back then, let's face it, it was bomb, bomb, bomb. It was bomb. It was bomb them, uh, war and terror, these uh, axis of evil. It was all that shit. All that shit was fucking lies. And guess who gave you those lies? The mainstream media and the station right up the hallway from me helped. And that pissed me off. So little by little, as I, as I decided to do DC and how that even fell into place and everything at Radio IO and what it represents over here is I love talking about the media renaissance. That's really what this is happening now. There is a media renaissance. And I, I hope it's healthy on both sides, you know, consider the so-called left versus right, that kind of thing. I hope there's... Um, what's her name? Tommy, Tammy, the one that was on Glenn Beck's channel. I never see her. I, I watched like two or three videos. Uh, I understand he, she, she got fired because she got a little bit more pro-choice. I think Glenn Beck lets her go. I hope whatever her audience is that she can smartly and effectively do something with them, represent her viewpoints and theirs. And what we're going to get into with this brilliant breakdown of the media is as one big damn breaks, it turns into what? It turns into thousands of pieces. Now, the thousands of pieces obviously aren't together and they can't hold shit back. And what I love about seeing everything that's happening in the new media, and I've been proud to be part of it for a few years here now, is yes, they're not just talking about things we should be talking about, but you know what? They're calling each other out. Or one's attacking the other and the other one's defending itself like, oh, yeah? Guess who's the propagandist? Guess who is fake news? It's like the battle of fake news. You think, oh, yeah, somebody comes out and here's an arrest warrant. Here's the well, look at the, here's a DNA swab. Here's the bullet casings. Here's the forensic science to prove this crime. Bam! That's evidence. People on the other side are like, I... Okay? They're always... You know, debate is good. All the things that are happening when you have a thousand media outlets is a beautiful thing. It is kind of like it started with, what was it? Well, in 1983, give me the chart. In 1983, 90% of American media was owned by 50 companies. Okay, that's 83. Now, it's 90%. So let's just say the massive majority of media, television, magazine, newspaper, radio, anything that you even record companies. Remember, media is media. It was owned by 50 companies. In 2011, which is 6 years ago, the same 90% is controlled by 6 companies. Now, it's great for shareholders it is horrible for a fucking democracy or republic. It is it is a nightmare to have that funnel. like the, It's like that hourglass where there's so much information flowing and all of a sudden it flows through just a tiny little crack, one grain at a time, and somebody goes, nope. Well, we're not telling them that. Oh, we're going to tell them that. Uh, we're going to replace that with this. And that's really what we've been getting, I would say... Probably since the telecom. What's 97, 98 with Clinton? It really, I think radio was really the spin doctor of a lot of things people were talking about at first. 
um, because there were more stations and people were still far more in tune with terrestrial radio than something like the Internet. I know I was. And then there was a little bit of satellite radio, but then there was a, you know, there were still, the message was still, I think, at that time, being somewhat easily controlled. But then what happened was they, the resistance, used the same technology of the mouthpiece of the state against the state. They used the state's weapon against itself. And they went back and they started piecing together a whole bunch of videos from one day in September of 2001. And instead of the narrative you were told over and over and over the same day, oh, oh, oh God, for months and months and months, and the president's there, and here's the narrative, and these are the bad guys, 19 hijackers, and suddenly just the video or just the live street at the time of the event interview in the street so with someone covering with dust. In other words, the actual news, the actual information that was flowing live that they couldn't control was now looked at again with a magnifying glass and suddenly the narrative for 9-11 was fucking different. That was life-changing for me. Let me tell you. It was life-changing. It was, felt nauseous my first six days. Realizing I had to turn the, my microphone on at three o'clock every afternoon. We were two and a half miles up the street from McDill Air Force Base, which is CENTCOM, which is leading the war. We are red, white, and blue, clear channel. And I'm sitting there looking at buildings disintegrating into dust. And I'm like, what the fuck? Something's wrong. Back then, it was mostly documentaries. There was, who had a YouTube page? Who was streaming live? I mean, I go, I don't even watch you guys live, and there's probably, what, three dozen news channels or uh, new YouTube channels of people, pundits, uh, investigative reporters, uh, everybody leans left or right or anywhere in the middle that I watch. And you'll see that you can tell they're streaming live, even though I'm watching the recording. They're waiting for enough people to show up and start their little 10-minute, 15-minute, 45-minute, uh, two-hour, three-hour podcast broadcast. It is literally the dam is broken. So much information is flowing. So many of our uh, articulate, intelligent, incredibly motivated by an inner voice, call it their soul, call it their good side, that just wants the fucking truth. If we can get the goddamn fucking truth, we are on a way to a, to a renaissance in the world. Trust me, we are. And the way to get, and, and because it's, it's, a, it's a twofold thing, it brings you closer to solutions and it pulls you farther away from unjustified fears that have been pounded into your head. Christ, I remember ducking cover in third grade. Atomic bomb, get under your desk. I'm that old. And here they are, the evil Russians all over again. You think they come up with a new narrative? You know why they don't? It's because we keep fucking falling for it. We... Ugh. 
But, uh, you know, I think that change eventually comes as the, uh, the percentages of us who fall for it become less and less, and then we get... I think that's how we get to critical mass. And that's really what we're going to talk about, or I have been talking about. Alex Jones and Megyn Kelly bumped heads. Um, I don't really watch or listen to Alex that much anymore. I'm going to say this about Alex. He has a business to run, and I think when he became the infotainment guy and kind of jumped the shark with some of, you know, we're eating babies and just, you just can't throw out any sentence or phrase in the middle that, of something that could be very verifiable and truthful. You know, if you want to talk about what happened at Oklahoma City or the 772 uh, way bombings or, or what I just mentioned with 9-11, Alex Jones knows his shit and he knows why it was done and he knows it's connected to what we now, or, or many more refer to as the deep state. But then there's the Alex Jones who's got a bunch of employees and a business to run. And, you know, that guy, you know what? Honestly, I don't watch him. But he is, and the reason I bring him up, and I haven't brought him up in a long time, is because between the old school media, and he is new school media. He's probably the biggest name in any new independent media it's bigger than Young Turks are doing well, you know, on the other side, or progressive, what they call themselves anyway. So, you know, he is literally the king of new media and his little empire there, InfoWorld, InfoWars. So what's Megyn Kelly, what she's trying to do is I'm going to establish myself at my new network with my Sunday magazine. What am I going to do to establish myself? I'm going to take on the new media king. Kingpin. An info war. I think we're going to close with that because I really want to get to, I'm sure everybody who follows this guy knows his name. To me, he's Sticks Hexenhammer 666. Sticks Hexenhammer 666. If I say it three times fast, is Michael Keaton up here? Good. Um, but man, talk about an informed intellect who can see things taking place as they take place, can reference them to why they used to. And I don't know who he is. I don't found him on Lionel's channel the other day. Um, he's got, by the way, you know, I'm talking to my small audience and he's got 138,000 followers. Um, but what I enjoy the most about watching him, other than his ability to link a storyline with the next one, which is good storytelling, but he's got a very good background when it comes to essentially kind of like what we're going to do is stop and start. But he gets on a roll here, and I don't want to fuck with his mojo. About the same thing I'm talking about tonight is, and he calls it legacy media, the death of legacy media is going to be, and I think it accelerates rather than die slowly. And I think, I mean, Christ, look what what happened to, what was it, CNN Live? What was the 30, 30, every 30 minutes CNN? Um, on the hour, I can't remember, was, Christ, there was CNN and there was, yeah, the headline, headline news, headline news. It's a fucking infomercial channel now. You know why? 
Because I can get headline news on my internet just by clicking my goddamn mouse. I can find out more by being on my mouse, by you waiting, by waiting for you to say Bobby Bautista, whatever your name was. Uh, I'm going to know more about that jet crash before we come back from commercials. That is now an infomercial channel. People know now, not only do they know now, they trust now the internet so they can go to six different news places and form their own goddamn opinion instead of two or three owned by five companies. So I present to you my, you know, if you're new to me, maybe you, uh, you're you like, oh, man, Legis has discovered this uh, Sticks. Sticks is awesome. I don't know if he's a drummer. He's wearing a leather jacket and no shirt, so maybe he's like a drummer, Sticks. But it is spelled S-T-Y-X. Maybe he's just like a huge Tommy Shaw fan. I don't know. But I got to tell you, I'm a fan of this guy. And what a great breakdown over the next couple of minutes here on the show of what I've been talking about. And he just fucking hammers it here. All right, everyone, the prophecy continues to unfold with the death of the legacy media. Bill O'Reilly left Fox News, of course, over sexual harassment allegations and uh, started a podcast, which is basically a cheap knockoff of his own former show on Fox. But uh, after he talked, I think what happened is he talked to Glenn Beck and learned about uh, how to do stuff online. And Glenn Beck said, why don't you start your own network sort of like I did? You certainly have the money to do so. You've got millions of hardened fans that'll follow you there. You could probably chip away at Fox News. I mean, look, they're floundering. He probably said, well, the Blaze is picking up extra viewership after having a lull there for a while over the Trump issue because Fox News is jettisoning support. These other cable networks are trying to gobble up conservative pundits in order to compete for those people that no longer watch Fox because Bill's gone or Glenn Beck's gone or Megyn Kelly's gone or because the network's just a pile of steaming shit. It's dying. And so other networks are going to have to uh, pick that up. They're going to have to grab up those viewers. What better way to do that than to have one of the higher-rated individuals who was ever on Fox, namely Bill O'Reilly, whatever you think of him in a moral sense, create his own internet-only network. And this is the way forward for these pundits. I'm going to stop it right there because he's right. See, he's, he's, he sees that... What's the easier role versus, versus the better role for Bill O'Reilly? The easier role is to try to do what Megan did. Oh, I just jumped to another network. Well, that's like one ship is sinking and halfway down, and you jump onto the other ship... It's not halfway down yet, but it is sinking. Or do you do what Bill, uh, what Glenn Beck did and say, I got enough notoriety from the radio show, which I still have. And uh, the years I've been on television. And now I'm going to form my own network. And by the way, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a real big fan of a lot of those the aforementioned ideas and what they think. But I still love and respect they are just as important to the matrix of thought as my side or your side or his side or her side. It doesn't matter where people are. It does matter that we've got a good flow of information. You know, we have people that aren't only getting one version of stuff. 
And that's really what he's talking about here is, all right, what's what's Bill going to do? Should he, should he like, j- run and jump real quick to, like, what is it, OAN? It's a brand-new conservative news channel out there. And kudos to them. Been around a couple of years. Hopefully we'll see four more of those. And, you know, and you know, I love the idea that RT's in our country. I love the idea that... Um, that we have Al Jazeera TV. I love I love NHK. I love the BBC. I don't necessarily believe some of the shit they feed me, but what I do believe is you will get a pretty well rounded opinion if you are given four or five versions, not necessarily versions, but just avenues of info. Because if something on the left is being protected, the Seth Rich thing that's not being mentioned by the left. Or the DNC lawsuit, because it hurts them. So now they go, Russia, Trump, Russia, Trump. So you've got all these media outlets with one version of anything that happened. They're failing, because no one believes them anymore. I think Congress had a 9% approval rating, and I think the mainstream media had a 7%. Now, I might be, I don't know, pulling that out of my ass, but I, I think I remember seeing that. So is uh, Sticks, Sticks Hexenheimer, Hammer. I got to get his name right. As Sticks Hexenhammer uh, continues on his role, he, he talks about, he does a great job of breaking down where media is and how it is splintering and how I'm not the only person, obviously, that's enjoying this ride because he is too. Take Bill O'Reilly's advice. Take Glenn Beck's advice if you're a pundit on one of these networks. Doesn't matter if the network is doing well now, by the way. You're like Maddow. You're on MSNBC or CNN. Those networks are dying. There are a decreasing number of people who really give a damn about cable news to the point at which they're bundling streaming services on YouTube and other sites to try to make ends meet. And in today's frenetic politicking, the other problem is that advertisers constantly get browbeaten by people to maintain, to toe the PC line, whether it's left or right. We've seen it on, on, on both ends. We certainly saw it on Fox. We saw it with Hannity. Um, we, we're certainly seeing it now with... Quickly, yes, Hannity uh, brings up the, shot, the Seth Rich case, and uh, suddenly his sponsors are threatened. And again, <laughs> it's like I'm a big Sean Hannity fan, but... I, you got to defend the free speech. I, bottom line is, I don't care where I get a slab of truth from. I don't care who gives it to me. I don't care if they're way over on the left or way over. I don't care. It's another piece of the puzzle that's going to matter. So when Sean Hannity wanted to approach the Seth Rich slash DNC lawsuit slash WikiLeaks slash Russia narrative, I was kind of blown away. I didn't expect it. But. Again, let me back him up just to get his mojo going, but you can see what he's saying. We certainly saw it on Fox. We saw it with Hannity. Um, we, we're certainly seeing it now with Megyn Kelly on NBC. We certainly saw it with Bill Alex O'Reilly. Jones. Advertisers are being targeted. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, that was uh, Bill, you know. Roger Ailes got kicked out of his own company practically for being a jerk with the ladies, and I think Bill... Did that, so I don't know if he's, if he's defending him. I do know that several ladies, not several, a few, a handful of women were paid to go away quietly. 
If if I'm guilty, if I'm not guilty of something, yeah, I'm not giving you a fucking cent. There's no way. Prove it. I'm not paying you to go away quietly. So to act like Bill O'Reilly in the separate side issue, as he seems to be defending him here, let's always get where the truth is. But, okay, address that. It's not about Bill O'Reilly and his loose dick. It's about Bill O'Reilly is now a free agent. What's he going to do with it? On NBC, we certainly saw it with Bill O'Reilly. Advertisers are being targeted by people for sort of bombardment. Uh, every time somebody steps out of line and says something culturally unacceptable, Kathy Griffin suffered the same fate. Uh, Bill Maher, who managed to hold on to his position, nonetheless suffered uh, under similar circumstances. What you've got is a highly PC culture where it doesn't matter if the person professes to be conservative or liberal, these networks are extremely vulnerable because of the way in which they they garner their money, namely advertisements and political kickbacks from the establishment. Ding, ding. That's collapsing. And what the internet world needs to do is take a leaf out of the book of Sirius, out of satellite radio. The idea originally that people would pay for sort of the less ad or ad-free style of material on Sirius, people thought it was a joke. People thought, this is never going to work. Howard Stern and all these, they're going to basically, they've ruined their careers. Sirius will collapse. Uh, terrestrial radio is the way to go because people don't want to hear all that crap. And of course, that's choked with advertisements. Yeah, it's kind of sort of free, but they dwell in the land. It's, it's sort of like TV. TV has more commercials now. And those advertisers are vulnerable to sort of um, the public discourse and people getting together and launching petitions and sending out mass emails and harassment and all of these other things. I'm going to stop it there because technically, though I may not agree with your advertising boycott on a certain subject matter, I do realize that one of the few ways we still have a little power in this country is voting with our dollar. And that's very important to remember. Uh, it takes me back to what? Oh God, what's the place? Uh, Chick-fil-A. I think they're run by a Christian. Uh, something about baking a cake. I'm trying to remember the story where somebody didn't want to bake a cake for a gay couple's wedding or something or something. And I do remember that Chick-fil-A made a stance. See, I, I barely remember the story, but I do remember... Basically, what I'm saying is there's the backlash. There's always going to be, it's like, hey, we have the right to do this. We're a private corporation. We're not going to do this. We're not going to defend that because we believe Jesus Christ and we don't think gay should and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. You have the right to do that. But also, the biggest way I can speak to you is like, oh, yeah, I like your sandwiches, but fuck you. No more drive through for me. See you later. Oh, there's a Wendy's right up the street. See ya. That is still a way to vote. I, I love boycotts. Think about how big boycotts could get. And the reason I'm pausing is because they have worked effectively for generations. The, the next closest thing to a boycott is a strike. A, str a, boy a strike, I'm sorry, a boycott is a strike with your wallet. You should have 
every right to re- withhold your dollar and say, you know what, I don't believe in what you did or I don't believe in what you think of and I don't believe what you support and I don't think you killing giraffes in Africa makes you a badass and I'm not buying your fucking sub, uh, your, not Subway isn't that brand, but I'm not, I'm not ordering your subs anymore. I don't care how fast they get to me. You're a dick. I'm voting with my dollar. I'm holding back by dollar. I love the idea that if you don't like what Rachel Maddow says, boycott her fucking sponsors. If you don't like what um, Sean Hannity says, boycott his fucking sponsors. Watch how quickly. You know, I don't believe that the pressure should silence those people. And that's the hard part. But since we know it will, then we know their limits. Then we know they're not exactly news. Something If something can silence you like, oh, Rachel making seven million a year, girl. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. All right, here's something you're not going to talk about anymore. What do you mean? Uh, well, if you talk about it anymore, uh, there goes eight of your sponsors. Okay. Crumbles it up in a piece of paper, throws it in the trash. Hannity just found out the same way. That's what he referred to, is the idea of people not wanting to talk about a topic, either politically or uh, dark state issue kind of thing. But Bill O'Reilly now, should he, could he, and would he, and he certainly could, dude loaded, he's got, the, he's got his viewers built in, there's no reason why he can't start his own channel. I may never watch it. I don't give a fuck. But you know what? It's another broadcast beacon. Thousand points of light. That's what it is. That's what the new thousand points of light is. A thousand different media outlets with lots of different intelligent people with lots of different opinions going back and forth in good old discourse, kind of like how Congress should be. And it's happening now. And has been over the last 27, 27, I would say 10 years. And now it's just picking up steam. The cable model doesn't work. The internet model does, though. You create a network. You're Bill O'Reilly. You create a network and say, oh, for you know, $1.99 a month or whatever, you can hear the show. And we're going to bundle it with material from all these others. So you create a collective and then you sell it to people. And there are less ads or it's ad-free. Uh, you have your own network, therefore free speech reigns. You don't have to care about people's opinion of what you're saying. That is the way forward. That is increasingly what's going to be on the Internet. Not the, the reason you don't care about people's opinions is you won't have an advertising backlash. See, what will bring out your real free speech? Hey, you might be a fucking Nazi. I don't know. You might be fucking Gandhi reincarnated. I don't know. But when you have a free platform and a big enough platform and you, you you expect to be attacked, expect to be attacked, that's going to happen. And if what you say, what you talk about, it, what you prop up isn't there, isn't provable, isn't scientifically, you know, I don't care if you're talking about a new way to build homes or a new way to produce energy. If you want your own platform and you want to be your own new media person and you want to send whatever specific message into cyberspace, expect a fucking backlash. You're going to get one. 
And that is the process being the process. And that's what I love about intellectual people who not only talk about how things can get better, but they talk about what's currently wrong and how, and honestly, we're going all the way through this guy's video because he really is starting to describe the demise of the mainstream media. Collectives of individual arranged into networks on one end, independent content creators using social media on the other end. Now, I think the two can coexist peacefully because it's not a big problem. It's already been going on. It hasn't really spawned problems. The big problem right now for both partitions of the internet, for both these smaller uh, alt uh, networks, what Bill O'Reilly's talking about, certainly Glenn Beck, uh, Drudge, something like that, the big problem for them and for social media is attempts at censorship being sponsored by the corporate legacy media. Right now, the legacy media, because it's hemorrhaging support, they want to crack down on their competitors. It's like when Megyn Kelly says, I want to give a fair interview to Alex Jones. They are directly in competition. Therefore, no fairness can possibly reign. And if you see clips from this, from this uh, interview, it is. It's a hit piece. And we're going to come back to him. We're going to jump. Uh, Alex's piece is 30 minutes long. We're probably going to go maybe 10 minutes in here. But you're going to see a little back channel action. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I'm, you know, Fox News is Fox News to me. I expect to get what Fox News spits out. Uh, Megan Kelly was the same thing. Obviously, she's easy on the eyes. She's an articulate, intelligent woman. Um, but you know what? She just, she did what I don't think O'Reilly is, is going to do. And she decided to jump to another network. It's much easier. It's like, you don't have to worry about startups and investing your own money. And, you know, you're kind of like, Hey, these people are going to pay me, you know, boom, I'm going to do a Sunday night magazine. I got millions of dollars still flowing towards me. I'm Megan fucking Kelly. Fuck off. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that choice. A lot of people would make what that that is considered the safe choice. The unsafe choice is take Megan Kelly's brand and her viewers and listeners and do what Beck did or what O'Reilly might do and start your own brand so you don't have to do what you just did. And yeah, it it, it was a hit piece. So, you know, you all I can do is give you my word and tell you, I, if there's one thing about me, I do what I say I'm going to do, and I, I don't double-cross, so... You know, you just became very fascinating to me. I just sort of thought you were this, maybe, you know, one-dimensional guy, like this is your thing. My goal is for your listeners and the left, you know, who will be watching some on NBC to say, wow, that was really interesting. And then the next time I want to get somebody, they're going to say, look what you did to Alex Jones. It's not going to be some gotcha hit piece. I promise you that. <laughs> Wrong. We talked controversies and conspiracies. 9-11. Now, 9-11 was an inside job, but when I say inside job, it means criminal elements in our government working with Saudi Arabia and others wanted to frame Iraq for it. Just a fact. You are about to view and listen to information 
that's never before been seen or heard. In the past, MSM, corporate media, could tell the truth, they could lie, they could spin. It was up to them. They were the gods of information. But Megyn Kelly waltzed in here to Austin, Texas and told me that she wasn't going to talk about Sandy Hook. She wasn't going to talk about Pizzagate. She wasn't going to talk about Shabani. She wasn't going to talk about Islamic terror attacks. That she wanted to do a softball profile of Alex Jones. And when she got here with her crew of intelligence operatives, she did the opposite of what she said. And so I was recording the whole time. From her pre-interviews, right through the interviews, we have a record of it so that you can decide for yourself what I really said and what I stood for. These tyrants haven't figured it out yet that information warfare is a two-way street. And we're going to give as good as we get. And that's what you're about to see. You alone. I think he's reading a teleprompter. I've never heard him so calm. Will be the judge. You alone will be the jury of who's fake news and who stands for America and who stands against it. Yeah, he is. I'm not discounting what he said. I am saying I saw his, his eyes were shifting to like a cue card or a teleprompter. You know why? Because this is huge for him. Okay? If you want to be taken legit, and <sighs> I don't listen to Alex anymore. I haven't consistently in a while. I got I hate when I gotta keep giving fucking disclaimers. But some of the stuff this man has brought to the forefront over the years is absolutely provable. Fuck you, period. Exclamation point. Eventually you got big. Corporation got bigger, paychecks got bigger, responsibilities got bigger, advertisers got bigger. Same shit that happens, man. That's why when it happens in media, I, I kind of don't like it. I'm happy that they get successful, but, you know, I'm sorry, but Vice is not the same thing it was at its inception. Thank you, Roger. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, isn't it Ailes? I bought into Vice. So this shit happens. And, you know, if you build something from the ground up and, you you know, you're either the guy in front of the camera or if you're one of the 18 employees and, and suddenly someone comes in with an influx of cash and your life is better and you still think you're doing the right thing. And now you get a little bit more entertaining and a little bit more WWE in you and you start saying things off the top of your head that you don't realize they're going to string together in a bunch of videos and make you look like a fucking nut job. I don't know you, but I still think there's a piece of you that is absolutely legit. The rest, honestly, is just layers of... Like varnish on a piece of furniture that started off back in a TV studio with a blue curtain behind you and you showed me a Building 7 video and I looked at it and I went, what the fuck? That is impossible. That does not happen. And it reminded me I'd seen it briefly that day while still on the air and my rabbit hole journey begins. That's what I owe Alex Jones. But what I don't owe Alex Jones is, dude... 
Either get a fucking, you know, you got to realize that the bigger you get, the more enemies you're going to have. And if they discount 50% of what you say, because it's about eating babies or, you know, whatever you claim out loud, and you're ripping your shirt off and you think you're fucking Hulk Hogan, you're doing the rest of the alt community, the alt news info pundit community a disfavor. Because right now, you this is why I'm talking about you and Megyn Kelly. It's because NBC, which is dying, as we heard, and we're going to continue on as we jump back to our original narrator. The reason it's important, Alex, is if you realize we are at the preface of the old school propaganda media finally losing enough traction that enough people are going to crave info, Watch the quantum leap. It's not about your career, Alex. It's not about your bank account. It is about your responsibility as a media representative to remember your place, your role in that continuing fight. The tip of the spear. Well, if you're the fucking tip of the spear, remember where the spear's headed. But you handled this perfectly. You realized it was going to be a hit piece. You recorded her saying it wouldn't be one, and it was an absolute hit piece. If you want to talk about Sandy Hook, you know what I'll say about Sandy Hook? There are some fucking protocols that were not followed from everybody from EMTs to doctors to who could declare a person dead to should there be helicopters, where's the triage? You know, It's just plain old, if there's that many so-called dead bodies, you know, that place should have been a fucking, like an angry hornet's nest of busy. Instead of why having a bunch of people walk around like zombies. There. The rest, I don't know. You know why I don't know? It's because I don't know. Because even if I was going to know, they knocked the building down and destroyed it. So even if there was forensic science, or if there was forensic photographs, or if there was any type of evidence that could prove one way or the other, whether it's true or not, nobody ever gets to see it. So I don't fucking know. It's okay to say I don't know, Alex. Instead of, well, this was an inside job. Because the moment you spit that shit out, they're going to wrap that phrase around and they're going to make you an absolutist in something that is, I don't know, suspicious. Can't, I don't know. I don't know about the Boston bombing. You know what? A lot of people say, oh, there was a crisis actors. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. But it doesn't mean I believe the original story or the official story from the mainstream media. So the point I'm making is, Alex Jones is one of those first people to say, you know what, here's what you've been told. Here's what a lot of people are talking about. And now he's gotten so big that they're running primetime news Sunday night stories on this dude. You know what? He played it well. He did. Okay. That's about all we got time for that because I want to jump back to my narrator here. And I'm going to back it up because 
this is where he kind of led us into Alex and Megan. Here we go. Because it's hemorrhaging support. They want to crack down on their competitors. It's like when Megan Kelly says, I want to give a fair interview to Alex Jones. They are directly in competition. Therefore, no fairness can possibly reign. If you see clips from this from this uh, interview, it is. It's a hit piece. Quite clearly, 100% hit piece. The very intro, oh, Sandy Hook, and people think he's crazy, and here's him ranting and saying weird shit. Yes, that's a fair and honest interview. And I'm sure it would have been fair and honest if Alex Jones hadn't come out to say, oh, yeah, I've got audio of the pre-discussion where she assures me it's going to be fair. No, it, it, it has nothing to do with that. It was a hit piece all along, and he knew it. So I was right. Bill O'Reilly is going to join the likes of Glenn Beck in attempting to chip away at the support of Fox News. An easier task now that they've lost millions of viewers and tens of millions of dollars, and they're slipping in the ratings. Now, the ratings for all of these networks were already declining anyway, though. Nobody wants to talk about that. None of the cable networks will ever say, yeah, uh, we're, you know, MSNBC, oh, we're number one on, t on TV news now even though we're still declining because the overall viewership is declining. People want interactive content. And something like that, where O'Reilly gets together with a bunch of other conservative eggheads, maybe a token liberal or libertarian, maybe drag Stossel onto his program, that would actually make it worth people's while just to have Stossel there, maybe. If they end up going rogue and create their own network, they become part of the alt-media. And I'll say this as well, this is in all fairness. If somebody who is formerly a member of the pundit class decides to say, fuck the advertisers, screw the cable networks, I'm making my own network, it'll be monthly payment based, we won't have to rely upon corporate ads, we'll have enough money, we can do our own thing, we can be independent, I welcome that. I so do I. I hope it happens to every single so-called pundit. Not that their voice is the truth. But if you could get, I don't know, if you could unleash, and it's kind of funny because that's how uh, Sanker Jank, I always I hear it two different ways. From the Young Turks, kind of got jettisoned from MSNBC. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Radican, I believe, same thing. Uh, you know, just obviously Judge Knapp, Judge Napolitano, going a little too, skating a little too close to things like the Federal Reserve was jettisoned. Um, not so much Glenn Beck. He's kind of a, you know, kind of like me. He starts in the radio is a little bit more of an entertainer, but I'm not saying he doesn't care deeply about things, but you have to remember, I actually worked in the same building with him. And back when I knew him then anyway, he was easily malleable and, you know, coming out from his demons and latching onto his belief systems and, and using that to justify bombing people he's never met before. So that's how I kind of looked at it when I met him. But now, you know, here we are, what, two decades, three decades later? Late 90s is when I knew him. Oh, I'm sorry, early 2000s. So, yeah, we're talking, you know, 17 years, 15 years. That's a good thing. Because I'm sure with the ability that he has or, or Hannity gets... Or, obviously, if O'Reilly does what we're talking about here, or, or hey, Megan Kelly goes out and does her own thing, or is it Tammy, Tammy? I don't know her name. 
And whatever it is she's doing, good for her. And that's a lot of right pundits. Let's go over to the left and grab all those people. Jimmy Dore, I, who I really dig, and the Young Turks, who I used to. And <laughs> You know what? The more the merrier. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful breakdown of a monopoly. Uh, I'm sorry, a syndicate. Monopoly is one, but when you get into five or six owners controlling the messages to the entire population of the most influential country in the world, yeah, it's time to break up the big boys. Standard Oil got broke up, right? AT&T got broke up, and now mainstream media is breaking up. I think that's a good thing. These are the people that are in a position to expose all the wrongdoing of these cable networks, by the way. What we should be hoping for is that Bill O'Reilly starts his network, does well enough so he can get word out there. Oh, yeah, so, so-and-so on CNN snorts coke every day. Here's a video. Maybe they rat each other out. I don't know. But I hope it doesn't get to that. I hope it gets to O'Reilly talking about, uh, you know, the corporation. I wanted to talk about this, and I, I felt deeply about it. But they said it's, a, it's more of a liberal viewpoint, Bill. You can't talk about it. So I was silenced. Or on the other side, I, Rachel Maddow saying, I, I wanted to talk about something that was, but they took, the idea of being held back by Big Brother is something I can all identify with. Um, I had to back it up. Does well enough so we can get word out there. Oh, yeah. So, so and so on CNN snorts coke every day. Here's a video clip of that that I took 10 years ago. So we don't want that. I want diversity in media. I want, oh, my God. You know, I mean, cable gives you 1,200 channels. There's no, can you imagine if you legitimately had 30 news networks representing almost every point on the globe? And the, you know, you want to talk about a new world order where no one controls it and the populace controls it versus what we're headed towards? That's how it happens. Communication. The, the village just simply gets bigger and bigger and bigger and nobody fears each other. And then we start to cooperate, and then we make sure no one gets screwed in deals, you know, TPP and, and, you know, that kind of shit. So I think what we're happening, what we're seeing is, if you want to change the world, you've got to start with the messengers. And the messengers have been controlled, and now, not so much. By the time I check out, I think we're going to see a very balanced delivery system of, inf of information. Oh, yeah, the CEO of this company is in bed with Saudi Arabia. Oh, this person, yeah, this person over here is like a pervert, you know, just uh, constantly does weird things, fumbles around under the desk and stuff. Now, Bill O'Reilly couldn't really do much about that, exposing ex-people to call him a hypocrite. Uh, but you get the idea. These people... Uh, it, uh, properly run, these networks can do very well. The Blaze has proved that. And the Blaze is like a lesser alt-media network. Glenn Beck is, is nuts, but he still does well. The Blaze still is, is just perfectly fine compared to his former station at Fox. Yeah, he's pulling in a fraction of the audience, but he's independent. He can say what he wants to say. Then all you need to do is market yourself. That's the glory of social media. Social media, it's like zero investment. You throw yourself out there like I am with the wolves. Uh, you put yourself out there. You put your opinions out there. You have to know how to market yourself. You have to go it alone for a lot of stuff. You have to have some degree of talent in order to make it in social media. 
For a former pundit, though, who's already got name recognition and, you know, 100 million expendable dollars, they'll just create their own network. They don't even need to rely on social media. Now, there is some importance to it even for them, though. Uh, you'll notice uh, the Blaze still has a Facebook page. The Blaze, you know, Glenn Beck still tweets and so forth. You still have to use some degree of social media and other sites in order to bolster your content because that's where the bulk of people get most of their material from. And even the cable news has realized this. They all have Facebook pages. They have YouTube pages. You know what YouTube should do? Shut down their pages because they've already got... It gets political here. I'm sorry. He doesn't get political here. He gets fair here where he talks about things that have happened to people like him because they so-called violate a YouTube uh, rule. So, yeah, let's just get through it. Here. The streaming service say, no, uh, you're not going to be putting clips from Fox or MSNBC on YouTube. You've already got a streaming service. Aren't you breaching your own copyright or something by doing this? I'm going to shut your pages down and you can, you, you be streaming. We're compartmentalizing YouTube now. Independent content creators can have YouTube channels. You have a streaming service that you're already part of. You don't need a YouTube channel. If your pundit wants a YouTube channel, okay, that's fine, but the network doesn't need one. Basically saying, we're going to flip the board on you. You already have a, you know, again, a streaming channel, a cable channel. You have your delivery mechanism. You have your platform. You, there's no reason you need this versus this guy or, you know, the junior partner over here on the Dangerous Conversation podcast is. Um, all I can say is. As I'm watching this breakdown in front of me, I keep smiling. I keep hearing about more channels and more broadcasters and, and seriously, people. I'm not talking about just going to a bulletin board and putting up some conspiracy theory. I'm talking about people that are bringing enough education, knowledge, foresight, and like this young man does, sticks, hex, and hammer, 666. Uh, can tell you not only what is changing in media, but what needs to change and how it's going to make things all better. I mean, seriously, this dude's a stud. And they'd best not be putting clips from that. They can make independent videos on there. Don't be dumping a bunch of clips on their pages either. That's what they should be doing. And compartmentalizing uh, social media a bit would probably cause it to be a, a lot better because then uh, the independent content creators don't have direct competition from the networks. The networks are off-site as well. They don't have competition necessarily from the independent content creators either. It would actually be beneficial for both parties. Meanwhile, we all need to focus our effort on destroying the legacy media. Cancel your newspaper subscriptions. Do not watch cable news. Does anybody still get a, a newspaper delivered? Who, like, is uh, under 90? TV. If you must refer, as some of us do, because we keep getting harassed by people who say, you don't have a link, therefore it's not real. Or you have a link only to alt media, so it's not real. I want to see a link from the cable news networks, because I trust them. So I'm willing to put it in the description. Archived, though. That way they're not getting any ad revenue from it. I'm not good at that. I always save the link. But you have to remember, if you send the link, that person clicks on the link... And that link generates money for whoever the douchebags are or the good guys. But what he's saying is, you know, screen capture the page and the link and and save it. I don't know how to do that. 
I'm confessing. I don't. So, essentially, what he's saying is make sure it can't be erased. There's nothing worse than having proof of something going on and then having the page suddenly, I swear to God, I, I clicked on this the other day. It's gone. Save it. We need to use archive.is and similar sites. Always use them. Never talk about an article from CNN, MSNBC, Fox, wherever it is, without archiving it first. Never link it anywhere on the internet without putting it in uh, to, to archive it. It takes a few seconds. Yes, okay, you got delayed 10 seconds. Don't know how to day. do it. It's worth it. The more people do this, the more money they're starved for, the more likely they are to come to heal. We can bring them to heal, as Hillary, as Hillary Clinton would say. All we have to do is make it very, very uh, difficult for them to make ends meet if they don't clean up their act. If they want to move online and do streaming services, I don't really care if they do that. I don't care if YouTube offers uh, cable news TV repackaged in digital form uh, for you to watch on your computer by paying, what is it, $5.99 a month or whatever it is. I, I don't feel any competition from them because most people, they've already fled to social media. They already don't watch cable news. It's not like their audience is going to grow just because it's there. Bam. The thing about social media, I'm, I'm sorry, about the old school news networks, and my brother is a perfect example of that. I see this quite often is there's a certain percentage of people in America who will watch a specific station, whether it be MSNBC or Fox or because it reinforces the beliefs they already have. So when, you know, I have a liberal friend that's always watching Rachel Maddow, she's, you know, you'd hear this about Trump, and, and I'll see that, and I'll just say, the only reason she's watching this is because it, it reinforces what she wants to be real. Same thing on the other side with my brother at Fox News. It reinforces what he wants to be true. So I think the reinforcement, it's not as much um, it's spreading like a, a mad virus like the blob and Steve McQueen. No, it's more of a, it starts the conversation and then the TV station's logo or the network's logo adds some, some type of, oh, yes, it's from Fox News, it must be true, or, oh, uh, CNN told me, so Hillary's not guilty. And I, that's fading. And I, it's not fading because they're not trying. It's not fading because they don't have a ton of corporate sponsors. The amount of money they make compared to their audience is insane. They are propped up by the corporations. They're not sponsored by them. Seriously, look at the money that CNN makes from corporate dollars versus the amount of viewers they deliver, and you'll go, what? It has, it has nothing to do with, oh, we believe in CNN's uh, news capabilities. We're, you know, Bear or Monsanto. Now it's about them not doing stories about Bear and Monsanto and how many times they fucked over the world or people or countries or water supplies or poisoned people. 
So corporate sponsorship isn't just like, oh, well, there's the Viagra commercial while I'm watching the Masters tournament. No, it's not just that. It is, we spend a lot of money here at Network, fill in the blank, and we'd like you to not talk about these three things, fill in the blank, and we'll continue to spend our money here. It's not that we have a ton of feedback from our advertising dollars. Considering what we spend to how much it actually moves our product, it's really not wise money spent, but it's more about buying influence with the network. That's what it is. It is a relationship of Pippin Hooker. That's what it is. Or is it John and Hooker and Pimp? Because CNN's job is not to give me the information I need to make an educated, rational decision. It is CNN's job to defend the Democratic Party. Period. That's what they do. So as CNN crumbles and MSNBC crumbles and Fox fucking crumbles and all of these false paradigms, and we all start to be like, you know, like when Neil gets shot. And Trinity kisses him. He's got nine bullet holes in his chest and he gets up and when he stands up, he sees the matrix. He doesn't see the wall. He sees the code that makes the wall. He doesn't see the people far down the end of the hallway. He sees the code that makes the people. This is where we're at when it comes to the information superhighway literally being it described by itself. This is why they're after it in nine different ways. Because of smart, intelligent guys like Sticks Hexenhama of 666. He's, he doesn't have an accent, but with a name like that, I just want to... Uh, very cool guy. Again, you know, I'm late to his party. It's 138,000 people. If you follow me, find him. I mean, this video is only... <laughs> Not even two days old, and it has, as the time of the broadcast, it has 34,000 views. People are waking up in masses. And that's really what the show is about. It is about, honestly, Megan, Megan Kelly going against Alex Jones. Never thought I'd see that. Turned out funny and interesting and, oh yeah, just a wee bit of a backstab. But uh, let's keep going here. You know what? I want to finish with a, like a bonus track. And I was, well, let me get to that later. Well, what person do you know that's like in their teens or maybe early 20s who says, yeah, I'm going to buy this streaming service. I'm such a Fox News addict. I really need to see CNN. There's no need to. It's pointless. <laughs> Nobody trusts them. This is how the legacy media dies. That same outrage aimed at advertisers over sexual harassment, non-PC speech. This drives the pundit class out of the legacy media. They go online. They start their own networks. They take a chunk of their audience with them. That's step one. Step two is that networks that for years have been really hyper-partisan, Fox seen as hyper-conservative, MSNBC, CNN, far left, they're absorbing one another's lesser pundits and trying to also attract lesser pundits from online, thereby denigrating the partisanship that's actually keeping them afloat. Think about that. That's like rats on the Titanic, man. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, shit. 
we've got like five of their air personalities are now out there. Should we hire them? Well, wait a minute. We're a liberal station. Yeah, but if some of their liberal, I'm sorry, cons you know, their five different conservative pundits, each one of them has followers. And if they come here, then their followers come here. Yeah, but we're a liberal place and they're conservatives. You are literally seeing rats scrambling on the Titanic as they jettison, I call it air talent, but talent, pundits, people with power and followers are now scrambling to decide, do I do it on my own? Do I do what Megyn Kelly did? Or do I do what the Young Turks did? All of it's a beautiful thing. So fucking cool to watch the disintegration of what truly was uh, controlling the messenger. I mean, you, know, you have to remember up to early 2000s, it literally was magazines, newspaper, radio, television, and music, and, uh, and you know, fashion and certain things um, that were really controlling the entire narrative of a, in an, uh, a society. Think about that much power. And now here we are, almost not quite 20 years later, more like 15, but, and look at the splintering of that mechanism that really kind of nudged me down the rabbit hole and, and made me become, you know, the person I am now is you cannot have a true democracy or republic unless you truly have a free flow of information and opinions. First Amendment, period. It, it, it covers both those topics. Attract lesser pundits from online, thereby denigrating the partisanship that's actually keeping them afloat. It's the only thing that's keeping them going. It's the only thing that's keeping these networks alive. Newsprint, too. The New York Times starts allowing op-eds from conservative. Everybody loses their goddamn minds because their regular leadership, they don't want to see conservative opinions. Some conservative rag uh, hires some token liberal. You know, it'd be like if Fox News hired a dozen liberals and decided, oh, for four hours a day, all we're going to have is liberal programming now to make it actually fair and balanced. And I think they gave that slogan up. What do you think the average Fox News viewer would think? What the hell's going on here? Now I'm going to go join Bill O'Reilly's network. People watch networks because they validate what those people already, you don't turn on a network that challenges you every night. I don't see a lot of liberals going all the way to Fox News and watching it for four straight months. I don't see a lot of conservatives going over to CNN or MSNBC and saying, geez, I might run into an opinion that could challenge a belief or two. People go to the messenger that gives them the news they fucking want to hear. But now, it's not so centralized. It's only going to be, you know, it was five to seven networks. Watch what happens over the next couple of years, because people are going to go, well, I like this pundit, but she's on that channel, and I, I don't know. And then, you know, diversity, you might actually bump into an opinion that could educate you or me. I, I I look forward to this process taking place. I'm just going to go on YouTube. I'm, I'm going to listen to uh, somebody on there. Go listen to go listen to uh, the Hugh Hewitt show or something like that. I'll go listen to Ann Coulter's podcast. 
That's what they're going to do. Legacy media is falling apart. It's so funny, and it's so good for our country. I'm excited. I'm happy about this. Yep. It's not a bad thing. No, screw these corporations. They're for profit. They, they lie to you. They take government propaganda. That's all they do. That's their purpose. Their stated purpose is to lie to you. No, we're going to tell you what you should believe in, you stupid peasants. We're going to tell you why we should have another war for Raytheon or for Boeing. We're going to tell you to hate other people for no reason. Just don't hate us in the pundit class. I get $10 million a year to lie to you people, but just exonerate me because I pretend to have a similar political affiliation. Oh, don't I think that is about accountability. If the shit hits the fan, 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 and we get to a place where there is some type of relatively, hopefully, low violence revolution in our country, where is the media going to be held when it comes to accountability? Because well, obviously, you know, we're going to want to, you know, you know, representative, uh, we're having a barbecue. We'd like to invite you as the guest of honor, you know, that kind of thing where, yes, there's going to be a lot of people who literally and uh, obviously figuratively and economically fucked you. So there's going to be people held accountable directly within a uh, government. But what about the media? Where, where, where is their responsibility in painting a picture that continually becomes more and more false, more and more propaganda, uh, complete propaganda, or at least disinformation or misinformation, or outright, let's not tell anybody about it at all. Look what TEPCO did to the people of Japan and Fukushima and how long it took them to come forward about what the truth was. So what we're going to see and what we're seeing, it's a beautiful thing, man. There's going to be more intellectual people, more, you know, obviously both sides of a spectrum, left and right, but obviously we mean Green Party, we mean uh, independence, we mean uh, obviously libertarians, if more and more people want to become involved and they have more and more, uh, more and more outlets in which to do so and connect and share ideas and get into a good political discourse and start to truly argue out a subject matter, then that leads to nothing but good things. Uh, in, the, in the world of science, it leads to great discoveries. In the world of politics, and politics is more about ideas. It will be mechanics and scientists and engineers that bring us to true change in our worlds because that is how things change but the whole idea of the mechanism that controls us call it the new world order or the uh uh the you know oh it's a certain uh, you know sect of religion or it's you know uh, i go way back and it's you know uh you know the freemasons and or it's the jewish bankers it's like you know what no People control money. I don't give a fuck what they pray to. Who cares? They're controlling money because it gives them a ton of power. Who cares? They could be French and be fucking greedy. They could be, I don't know, Caribbean and be fucking greedy. Just because they're Jewish and their line goes way back. To, oh, it's the fucking Jew bankers, man. That's the problem. See, that's where they'll tie you up and just completely hang you out to dry. It is the subject matter. It is that change that will truly change things. In other words, 
what's the problem versus who's causing the problem. Who's causing the problem is just another greedy motherfucker person from Earth who would rather think more about themselves or their little group of power people than a large contingent of other people. That's greed. Demonstrated. Boom. Done. I don't care what their religion is. I don't care what sex they are. I don't care if they're, you know, I, I do care if they touch kids and things like that. But what we're talking about here is if we're going to fix what's wrong, point to what the problem is more than the person carrying it out. Because the person carrying it out has just been replaced. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy's just been replaced. And, oh, there's another guy who knows what the Federal Reserve is and does nothing. Oh, there's another one. Here's Carter. Oh, there's Reagan. Oh, there's Bush. There's Clinton. There's Bush. There's Obama. So it's not about the person or religion or anything that's carrying out some type of power structure. Who cares? I don't care about what religion a banker is. I care about what they do to a monetary system, how they control it and how they fake it and how it's engineered. That's all that matters. So that enables you, me, and everybody else to talk about a problem from the problem. And don't talk it. That's what they always want you to do, man. Oh, so you're saying that old Jew, and then they just, boom, they try to lead you down. So when it comes to new media, try to focus on, yeah, what's, what's the problem with new media? It is, part of it's a lie, part of it's disinformation and misinformation. And to me, the biggest, the biggest sin is the omission of, of true evidence, science, forensic science, investigative reporting, whatever it comes to, that can bring us a better world. Energy production or food production or banking institutions. I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. What I'm talking about is we are seeing the complete... No, not complete. It's not complete yet. Okay. The beginning of the end... Of what this young man likes to call legacy media. We are seeing a blowing up of people like me that talk or maybe like you that listen. Maybe you've got your own podcast. You're another person and there's another person and another person. It's uh, it's great to see. It really is. Because I'll be honest, honest I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a positive person. I'm not a pessimist. But, you know, from 2004 to about 2009, I didn't expect to see anybody lift their head above the curtain and go, yeah, I get questions about some serious shit here. There weren't that many people. Now it's like dandelions in a field. You can't control them. It's awesome. Don't worry, I voted for Donald Trump, says some conservative pundit who doesn't want to lose their job. Oh, don't worry, I'm, I'm a shill for Hill, says the liberal. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't. I didn't vote for Bernie in the primaries. Please leave me alone and don't attack my advertisers. They have to walk on pins and needles because they also get overseen by the FCC. Anything that they say can and will be used against them. All you need is for one pundit to go off the rails for a moment on a live broadcast. The FCC fines him a million dollars. That doesn't happen online. The FCC is not going to come headhunting after me and try to find me because I say damn it or because I say someone is crazy. Or because I say the FCC sucks, which it does. Shouldn't even, if you, if you wanted cable news to prosper, uh, you'd get rid of the FCC altogether. We don't even need it. It's just a worthless bureau. Fucking A. You want to control speech? Control the speaker. 
And I don't mean the person. I mean the actual audio speaker. That's the FCC. They control the transmitter. They control the frequencies. They control what you can and cannot say. Seriously, man. Where I was in terrestrial radio during Nipplegate, we were almost ground zero, man. And watching what was happening, seriously, watching what was happening, I was like, holy shit. This is like Orwell. This is crazy. It's starting to go backwards. And it did. It did. Back to the mojo. Here we go. It's crazy. Or because I say the FCC sucks, which it does. Shouldn't even, if you, if you wanted cable news to prosper, uh, you'd get rid of the FCC altogether. We don't even need it. It's just a worthless bureau. You wouldn't have clear channel if you wanted terrestrial radio to do well. Ding, ding. Yes, these former pundits, when they get kicked off for one you know terrible thing or another, start your own networks. You'll also gain a little bit of respect because you're putting the screws to the legacy media. All your fans that used to be part of that network potentially are following you online. Good. Yeah, it'll hasten their death. I'd much rather deal with independent, much smaller, more larger number of much smaller networks that can that are not as easily controlled to be used for propaganda yes that are not as reliant on corporate advertisements yep. that don't have to restrict their own speech in all honesty yes uh, nearly as much i would much rather see that kind of uh press than what we have on cable news where you get a handful of companies that control everything bam i'm gonna let him wrap it up here in a second But you can see where I'm trying to go with tonight's show and where Sticks Hexenhammer 666 sounds like, you know, Slavic has gone with this is when you see them fighting, it's a good thing. We're at level three. If we are new media and at first they ignored us, and maybe that's late 90s, early 2000s. And then documentaries started to punch holes in their armor. But whatever topic you're, you know, Kennedy assassination to 9-11 to 7-7 to Oklahoma City. And people get it. Oh, my God. I, I ne- I've never seen this video. Why? And all of a sudden you could just see like it's, like a, it's like a slot machine going off in Vegas. You can just see. Their eyes roll in the back of their head, and all of a sudden they have a dozen questions they didn't have 20 years ago, and now they're down the rabbit hole. That's the internet. That's not that's not Clear Channel or Cox or Beasley or, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I'm talking about. It, what does matter is where are the questioners on those networks, on MSNBC or on CNN or on Fox? Where is the version of me or the version of this young man there never fucking going to happen ever ever never gonna happen and that half of that is validation that you're on the right path by the way if you're desperately seeking truths and realize that if you pile more of those truths on top of each other it does lead to progress it does lead to uh usually the end of corruption because I consider truth light and I consider, you know, 
the rest of darkness, and it's the same way it works. If you got green mold on the north side of your truck, put that north side of your truck on the south side of the parking lot, and is sunlight gets on it. It's the same way with truth. It's the same way with broadcasters as podcasters and everything else. And uh, I think we're on the cusp. I don't know what tr Trump is yet. Pfft, couldn't tell you. Haven't even formed an opinion yet, to be honest with you. I'm watching this all play out. I'm watching the left attack him, but yeah, that's kind of natural. But then suddenly you realize, oh, well, the left is the mainstream media. They're not going to mention Seth Rich. They're not going to mention the DNC lawsuit. And I guess technically they're covering their own bullet wounds or whatever you want to call those. But now what I'm seeing is over the last two, maybe I'd say three years, in massive influx of new media people hitting the internet, hitting YouTube, hitting Twitter, hitting Periscope, um, going Instagram, or how many different ways you can broadcast or podcast or put a PCU out there and watching the audiences grow. It's a good thing, man. It's a good thing. I'll let him finish up and then we'll come back. I think, I don't know. I, I kind of want to share this with you guys tonight. It's a, uh, it's like this guy here, uh, sticks Hexen Hama, 666, big vocabulary, true understanding of how everything from markets to information flows, uh, people that you love to pick their brain and get an opinion from. Same thing from Peter Joseph, who, of course, created the Zeitgeist, a series of documentaries, and then the movement. And I watched this video of Peter, and my head kind of like, my eyes rolled back in the back of my head. I was like, too many big words. Too, too many big words. I have to stop. Where's where's my thesaurus? I have to go through this piece by piece. And like, you just realize that this man is like, he, he's not going to die. Peter, come on, man. Fucking dumb it down for someone like me here. Damn. Even Lee Camp was kind of like going, you're like you're raising his eyebrow, like, holy shit, that's another four-syllable word. <laughs> holy shit, there's two more. Five syllables. Holy Jesus. You know? Come on, Peter, dumb it down for us a little bit, if you would. So we're going to, you know what? Let's call it the uh, added track. I'm not uh, claiming that material to be mine, but what I am saying is it is a fun, fascinating interview with someone who has an idea and people go, oh, you're just another anti-capitalist. Capitalism isn't bad. Maybe, that, I don't know, maybe it's your bank account talking. Maybe it's your you know retirement fund. I get it. We all defend our position. But what he's trying to talk about is this is the only matrix we've grown up in. What if a second, third, or fourth version is palatable or doable? You know? So we're going to use that. We're going to use that as the uh, closing track here tonight. After we finish up with Sticks Hex and Hama Six Six Six. You've already got more alt media firms. Not even talking about independent content creators. Not even talking about some person who just has like a, a webcam. They have a YouTube channel. They just they tweet constantly. Not even that. I'm talking about just the new wave of the business press is already far more vast. Uh, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of. Uh, sort of organizations in it already and, and more being spawned as some of these people get alienated uh, by cable news and that's better 
it's a better way to get your news. You can uh, you certainly have more diverse opinions to choose from, and they're less censored. They're also interconnected with other social media. It can be directly criticized or applauded by people who do just have a YouTube channel. What he's talking about is that interactive media is the new, that is the new media. Okay, media used to be a one-way street. It came towards me in a TV signal and a broadcaster or, or a radio signal or a song or a magazine staring at me or, or anything else. I didn't have a two-way. I, I couldn't immediately go, oh, that's bullshit. And then have it go back to that TV station. It, that never existed. Now it does. And the best way to hold the new media accountable is have people ask questions. Oh, you just gave me a story about new uh, earthquakes over in Yosemite. Okay, did you know that there's an average of a certain amount of earthquakes a year, and this year is actually a low year, even though there was 200 and yada, 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 factual information challenging the matrix, challenging the official voice, and telling me what I should think about any given topic at any given time. I'm going to back it up a little bit here because the, the way he talks about keeping score here is a great way to wrap up his piece here. Business press is already far more vast. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, sort of organizations in it already and, and more being spawned as some of these people get alienated uh, by cable news. And that's better. It's a better way to get your news. You can uh, you certainly have more diverse opinions to choose from and they're less censored. They're also inner... Yes. They're less censored. It's not so much what they tell you, it's what they're not telling you. Google the African Dinara and Libya. Google Saddam Hussein Euro oil for sales. Euro. Um, the point I'm making is there are so many times when you're what you're not being told. Was he a tyrant? Eh, I'm sure he tortured some people. I, I'm not making light of that. I'm not making light that even Assad had, might have done it or Gaddafi might have done it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying those are propped up puppets. They were allowed to do that stuff. But what they're being painted as isn't complete. So what what am I being sold versus what I'm not? And as we see the official machine, Washington Post is going down in flames, CIA has to prop it up, New York Times, all these official voices and pieces that get the conversation started in that 24-hour news cycle, they're in the fucking Titanic and they're going down and the rats are jumping. And the rats, some of them might have turned out to be good guys at the end, I don't know. Maybe I might end up liking Bill O'Reilly on his new channel. Maybe if he gives me some fucking truth. Because it that's how it works. If you want to fix things, seek the truth. I don't care who gives it to you. If it validates itself, it's, if it's authentic, if it's provable, if it's verifiable, it's the truth. I don't care where it comes from because it's going to help us piece things together. So now all these so-called truth tellers are all scrambling because their ships, their separate ships are sinking. There might be one or two available. You know, Maddow is pretty safe right now, but who knows? Watch what happens when they sink. Where does she jump to? Does she go to Fox? Does Fox even exist anymore? Seek a whole bunch of them. Seriously. Again, 
Al Jazeera, RT, NHK Tokyo, uh, BBC, CBN up in Canada. Seek a bunch of them. And you'll get a, you, you always get a better idea of what that f- fucking story's about. For sure. All right, bro, finish up. And we're going to go to our, uh, I think we're going to go to our extra cut. Connected with other social media. It can be directly criticized or applauded by people who do just have a YouTube channel, a Facebook page that they admin. It's much more accountable. But not accountable in the sense of, oh, we have to censor ourselves or our advertisers will flee. Accountable in the sense that people can directly interact with it, and therefore they can directly criticize or applaud it depending on their opinion. That's about all. Peace out. Bam. Accountability in media. What a fucking concept. Holy shit. I was going to do a story. I, I, I don't think I want to. By the way, still uh, figuring out where the emails are going to be uh, ending up, I guess you could say, when it comes to my medical marijuana stories that we'll be compiling in the uh, my real life and the job as a content provider for um, Tetra Healthcare. So that will come definitely by next week, but I'm in the process of moving. Ooh, some crazy things are happening. But but there are some stories now. I'm sorry, a story. Uh, essentially, the black market that's going to take place in, uh, this is Colorado, we have legal cannabis, recreational and medical. It turns out that someone in a position of power allowed other people in the position of growing to grow more stuff so they could find a way to get it out of state and make more money. In other words, corrupt people within a system were caught being corrupt. It's going to happen. I'm not excusing it. It's going to happen here in Florida. It's going to happen everywhere. Anytime there's a new market for something, whatever the black market was for it, do you think it's just going to disappear? Don't you think they're going to up the ante and find some players Well, that's what happened. Basically, Renee Rayton is accused of helping pot growers raise plants for illegal out-of-state sales. State investigators say the marijuana warehouse inspector, so she's, yeah, it's my job to inspect the pot house. Oh, what's this? 40 extra plants? I didn't see those. Those are going to Wyoming. I didn't see those. That's for sure. Oh, is that $200 under my shoe? Wow, how lucky is that? People are corruptible. People will be corrupted. Bottom line, going to happen. She left her regular job as a warehouse inspector, and somehow she immediately went to work for a illegal pot ring, taking in eight grand a month. People have a value dollar attached to their ethics. <laughs> they just do. And 99, 90, uh, over 90% do. There is a good amount of people that realize, nah, I can live with myself if I start doing this kind of crap. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. Things just starting to get legal now. I don't want to derail this, man. I want this, I want this to happen for a lot of people. This is going to be a good thing. So basically, that story is, yes, no matter 
how legal or illegal it is. People. Kind of. Whores for money. Just saying. Should I do this story? Jesus. Let me see. What are we doing for time? Yeah, we got time for it. Wait a minute. What's that? Hang on now. I got to shrink the page here. All right, everything's looking good. We're good. That's my high-tech description of me looking at waveforms being recorded. You know what? I don't want to, you know what? I'm not going to do this story now because I want to do a story on the advances that we're seeing and what's not being talked about as much, considering the United States of America is surrounded by a ton of water and has a ton of water within it, certainly flowing water and tides and so on and so forth. But there is a tidal turbine. It looks about the size of a small submarine. It essentially sits in the water underneath it are little turbines, or consider them fans. And as the tide moves in or the tide moves out, it moves that fan, it spins it, it makes electricity. Well, these bad mofos are already breaking electric uh, electricity generation records. I've always said this. When you see the windmill on a mountain or in a desert, or you see it offshore, and remember how big those blades are, it's because the, the blades have to be that big to catch enough of a four-mile-an-hour average breeze. Because that's really 80% of the wind coming down there at a railroad 10 miles an hour, 15. Basically, the amount of force versus the size, the side, size of the blade creates a certain amount of kinetic energy that can be now turned into generation gener, uh, generators being turned in creating electricity. But if you look at the size of the turbines in the water, they're sometimes only about, instead of being 36 feet in diameter or 50 feet in diameter, they're much smaller because you can generate the same amount of electricity because water, of course, is far more forceful kinetic uh, in, in, the, in the laws of physics when it comes to moving water and the force behind it versus moving air. It's like 13 times stronger. So these guys put one of these things out in a, in a channel out, outside of Scotland. It's like all those English channels and all that area, all that cold water where the, the ocean almost behaves like a river because the tides are so, uh, uh, not drastic, yeah, drastic, I guess you can say. They're extreme. They're extreme tides. Well, there's so much water moving in such a small space. This is the perfect place to, to develop good old tidal turbines. And they already broke a record. This is probably their only second design of this thing. It's kind of towed out behind a boat, sits there, faces one direction when the tide's moving inland, faces the opposite direction when it's going out. And meanwhile, oh, yes, gigawatts or megawatts. This one's producing megawatts. That's millions of watts. That's from one device sitting in the ocean in a channel minding its own goddamn business. You're not burning any hydrocarbons. You're not strip mining any mountains. You're not, hey, what the hell? Putting too many wind turbines up in an area. What we need is the balance of solar and tidal and geothermal and wind. 
And don't and don't turn your back on algae. Haven't talked about it for a while, but look out. Once it becomes affordable, right now the cost of an algae gallon of gas is just too much. And the cost of gasoline has stayed roughly here in America somewhere from a buck eighty to about two fifty. It hasn't been up or over four dollars in quite a, in at least a small handful of years. And I think there, as in big oil, are starting to realize that everyone's nipping at their heels and they can't gouge us anymore. So they keep swinging it up and swinging it down. But look out for algae fuels. Look out for biofuels. Remember, a biofuel is something you can burn. It it returns CO2 to the air, but it also sucks in CO2 while it's growing. We want secular fuels. Tides are perfect. You can't, nothing more accurate than a tide other than the sunrise. So solar power is incredibly predictable, except for clouds. Tidal power is incredibly predictable, except for storms. So as you can see, we go down that pegging network and what everybody else is trying to deliver from clean, safe nuclear power to everything else. I really believe that the next couple of years are going to be considered the turnaround, not just for America, but for the world. I really believe the Internet is the delivery mechanism where I, you, and everybody else can learn, holy crap, we live right off the Gulf Stream. We can put 10 of these out, out, out in an area and keep the boats away from them, and we can generate enough power just by the tide, just by the Gulf Stream moving on its continual basis, and we can power 10,000 homes. That's today. That's not 100 years from now. I'm not an energy geek because I think it's really cool to generate electricity in your mom's basement. I'm cool about it because I realize it's the top of the pyramid of control of humanity. When humanity can produce their own energy, then they can produce their own food and water. It's not the opposite. You can't produce water. It comes to you or you find it. You can't produce food. You have to grow it. But you can sequester energy. And if you can sequester energy, you can chill those green beans and they last four, four months longer. So energy is always at the top of the pyramid. This is why I always talk about solar. This is why I haven't talked about algae fuels in a while. This is why I talk about tidal power. This is why I talk about these things. It's because the more we know about it and the more vast it is, the basically you're, we're going around the monolith. We're not playing its game and trying to go up and over it. We're going around it. Oh, yeah, well, well we're going <laughs> to we're gonna create our own electricity. From that, we're going to grow our own aquaponics indoors. Oh, yeah, and our entire village is going to prosper. And, yeah, we're not going to have to pay you a fucking cent. That is the real progress. It's not like Mad Max where we go back and everyone's riding horses. But it is the type of thing is if we're going to break away from the matrix, you have to understand how it's designed. And that's all about energy. Energy comes before water. I can, I can have electricity and pull water from the air with that electricity. But I can't just pull water from the air because I'm thirsty. Energy is always at the top of the pyramid of how things are going to change and are changing. So this floating tidal turbine on Orkney Island smashes a generation record, already producing megawatts 
This isn't even their final design. This is a bunch of guys that put one of these things in the water a couple of years ago, and it was cranking some gigawatts, and they're going, dude, we are, seriously, we're getting like 900,000 watts here. Really? Just from the tide moving? Yeah, all right, let's go back in the laboratory. Future's bright. And I don't mean that as some cheesy pun. The future's bright, dudes. It really is. And that's a good thing. I'm going to end tonight's show a little differently. As you know, uh, back in the Radio I.O. days, we were lucky enough to stumble upon Lee Camp and his Moments of Clarity on YouTube. We tracked him down. He became one of those great semi-regular guests. Um, he's so talented, funny. He's just a good-hearted man. And lo and behold, he landed at RT. And again, like I say, watch them all. Make up your own mind. If, if you're a big CNN fan, you know what? Watch some Fox. If you're a Fox fan, watch some RT. Don't be, don't be afraid to literally turn yourself on to more than one opinion. It's Honestly, it helps. I don't know if it makes your, your brain literally grow, but it has continually helped me expand my awareness over the last 15 years of my life. So Lee Camp starts doing this show. And by the way, um, I think he just cranked out 152. He's done 100 and remember, he's only on once a week, Friday nights on RT, 150 some odd shows. And he's added to it. He's got, the audience is a little bit bigger and a little bit more fun and responsive in studio. He's got two or three different uh, young talents producing small pieces for him. His opening monologues are badass. Uh, he's He's got a fun camera presence. And he pushes people's buttons by asking questions we should all ask. And the reason I'm going to play this piece for you is because now that I've built up Lee, watch Peter Joseph make him and yours truly look like incompetent. I want the world to be better. Tell me how. You're like that guy where you absolutely think you know some shit. And then Peter Joseph just walks in and just starts going, I'm about to use some words now that are extremely confusing. <laughs> I watched this twice. <laughs> twice. I stopped it several times the second time. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish I knew what he was talking about. Because it sounds so smart. So is the added track the, uh, should we leave a big space? So when people think the show, they won't think that. They might, though. They might go like. Uh, wow, the show's like four hours long, but he stopped talking at uh, two minutes, in, uh, two hours, and I guess it's not going to work out. All right, so it's not a hidden track. It's a bonus track, and it uh, is literally, I am, as we, I'm going to shut my mic off, but I'm going to sit here and listen to it for the third time and hope I can figure out some of what he's talking about. Let me preface that as saying, if you're doing well in capitalism and you think, oh, these are just socialist pigs, it's been proven wrong, and you know, and, and look at Marxism and look at Stalin, and you know what? Always bring that opinion to what people are talking about, but make sure you realize they're not talking about socialism versus capitalism. They're talking about an idea that in the future, and maybe it is because of abundant energy, uh, that the idea of manual labor is no longer necessary because there are machines that take care of things and people have far more time on their hands to develop their minds, their consciousness, their lifestyles, and so on. 
And I think that's the beautiful thought process is I don't think we'll ever have a bunch of people that want to lay around and eat grapes and fart all day. I think you're still always going to have a person that wants to invent something or a person that wants to beautify an area. You're always going to have the, the drive to contribute to, to a society or to, to history in general. So I don't think you're going to end up with a society of a bunch of fat, lazy people that don't want to do anything. I think once you free them from those labors, once you free them from a vast amount of those responsibilities and you give them the opportunity to bring knowledge into their world and they don't have to pay for it, and you give them the opportunity to know more about foods and exercise and, and people are less stressed because they're struggling to stay under a roof or keep a job and a half and the things they're going through now. We are told this is the system. Good luck to you. And I think, you know what? For right now, there's a lot of people that are doing okay. Why would they kick that system to the curb? There's a small portion of those people that are doing incredible. Why would they want to kick the system to the curb? There's a smaller portion of that portion that are doing amazing why would they fuck with it? There's a smaller portion of that portion of people who are in control of things and absolutely kicking ass. They're not fucking with it. There's a smaller, smaller, smaller portion of those people that is a literal small cabal that you could almost count on two hands that are in charge of everything. They're not fucking with it. The only way you can fuck with this is from the bottom up. And the only way you can do that is with conversation and ideas and sharing and obviously evidence and proof and saying, all right, what if this happens? Now, I don't want to defend anything Peter Joseph says. I think he's a brilliant fucking mind. And when I mean brilliant, I don't drop that word very often. This guy's he's up there. He's like Nomsky, uh, Chomsky brilliant. Okay. You know, there are a few people in this world right now that I absolutely am in awe of. And he's one of them. And I don't mean worship. I just mean understanding the matrix from outside the matrix and talking about how one system that we think absolutely has to exist is absolute bullshit. And the only reason that system exists is because it's feeding the chow line up at the top of the pyramid again. Chris Hedges is another guy that I put up there. Chris Hedges, Peter Joseph, Noam Chomsky are some smart people. Lee, he's kind of like me. He's a ham and egger. He knows, uh, Lee knows more than me, by the way. Lee knows more than me, by the way. So as I drop you guys off, it's kind of like uh, um, when I the babysitter's not ready and I'm going to drop you off in the playground to kill some time. And I'll be back to say goodbye towards the end of the podcast. Uh, it is only because you are in the safe hands of Lee Camp and uh, Peter Joseph and a lot of big fucking words. Big, big, big words. Welcome to Redacted Tonight VIP. I'm Lee Camp. Today, in the second half of the show, I'll explain why Donald Trump should be impeached and why it won't matter. But before that, I have one of the most important thinkers of our time, Peter Joseph. 
He created the viral zeitgeist movies, which then spawned the zeitgeist movement, which has hundreds of chapters and thousands of members around the world. He also wrote and created a, a series called Culture in Decline. And now he has a new and, in my opinion, incredibly important book out called The New Human Rights Movement. Here is my conversation with my friend Peter Joseph. Peter, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Lee. Always a pleasure. So, I'm just going to jump straight in. We're going to get some of the basic, uh, basic structural stuff out of the way. When, when we grow up, as we're growing up, we're, we're sold a religion. And this religion is bigger than Christianity. It's bigger than, than Judaism. It's the market economy. Yeah. And we're sold it every day of our lives. And we're told it's good, and it makes everything right, mm -hmm. and it will solve the world's problems, and you just got to believe in it. What's wrong with that? Uh, the faith in the invisible hand of the market, which eventually, like all religions, evolved into the orthodox, intolerant view of neoliberalism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's very convenient to think that there's some internal dynamic in our economy that's self-regulating, that's the term, that there's an equilibrium to be found. And what isn't talked about, which I point out in this book, is for about 70 years, true economic theorists, microeconomic theorists have sat there trying to formulate their equations, utilitarian equations, beliefs about human behavior, to figure out how equilibrium is generated, because that's what the invisible hand implies. That's what, that's what the stability is supposed to right. be. And when we get to equilibrium, it'll be stable. Yeah. Everything will be stable. There's a an assumption that it's been prevailing, it's a mythology, and guess what? It doesn't exist. And they're the first to admit it. There's whole books that have been written out, there is no equilibrium. The only equilibrium that could be created have involved variables that literally all these these pure economists think are irrational and and uh, have no place to begin with. So that's one of the groundbreaking things no one talks about. So it's not just we can speculate and we can do this type of analysis as done, say, in the book or by other theorists that are working against market economics. It's been well established that there's no equilibrium. We have complete imbalance. We have poverty. Right. We have all the externalities. We have a general move towards disequilibrium to the entire system, which is where the state comes in. Of course, you talk to a libertarian, oh, the state's now the enemy, they don't realize the dynamic, the synergy between the two, historically, and a whole bunch of things that I could spiral out of control and ramble. By now, Lee Camp's eyes are kind of like fluttering, like, like, uh, my brain, no, I'm, just, I'm fucking with him. He's, he's a smart guy, but do you see what I mean when you talk about Peter Joseph? Lee Camp. Help me, bro. Help me. Yeah, start yelling that, eventually. That, that's all right. Your, your rambling's enjoyable. But, uh, the, and you can see the systems collapsing kind of around our planet, whether it's the acidifying of the oceans or the. Well, let's just start with the or... close to a billion people in poverty that don't get their basic nutrition. Mm -hmm. To me, that's at a collapse right there. The, the system never formed itself, it's always been in a state of collapse. There's the ins and the outs. If you're on the outs, you're just ignored effectively by the theories of this of this system. Which you're that's a negative externality. That's an important term that people need to understand. Negative externality are things that the market doesn't recognize or can't navigate or control. So, for example, poverty. What do we have? We have charity. That's the only form of wealth redistribution that society accepts. You can leave it up to the billionaire class to decide how they're mm -hmm. going to take care of all the right. all this exhaust effectively that has come out of this system to try and correct it. Same goes for the fact massive global pollution, every life support system in decline. Recent stat I just read, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050. So how do you deal with that? You create all these NGOs and all these people that are trying to do something outside of the market system, even though they have to be slightly within it. I mean, that's truly, really what all of the NGOs and the NPOs and 
grassroots organizations, the thousands and thousands of them that keep multiplying, they are there to clean up the, the disaster wake right. that's left it's from the, the market. It's the band-aids on, yeah. on the, the open wounds. And it's astounding to me that people don't really put that together to realize that that's where the activist community needs to focus. And that's why mm -hmm. the book is focused in the direction that and the is. And these externalities aren't even, yeah, they're not even really calculated in most of these equations. Oh, no. So, you, you know, you you see uh, that that a hamburger at McDonald's still costs a dollar to this day. It's like 96 cents or something. Meanwhile, the, if it calculated for all those externalities, the pollution, everything else, the oil, the water used to raise a cow, it'd be $200 for a hamburger. Sure, sure. More the fact that they, major, they analyzed all the major corporations, they, I mean, and there was a study done about two years ago, finding that if you took the negative externalities into account, there's no profitability in any of these major, which effectively means there's no profitability across the whole of capitalism. Right if you factor in real-life concerns. Uh, all right, so I know we're moving fast here, but uh, uh, one of the keys to the, the market economy is debt. And uh, you say in your book it is estimated that by 2060, 60% of all countries in the world will be bankrupt, while the U.S. alone will have a debt of 415% of GDP mm. by 2050. Now, on a certain level, debt is uh, customary fiction and can be erased with the flick of a pen. Mm -hmm. So I guess... Uh, people might be left feeling like, which is it? Is debt this incredibly power th powerful thing and people are, are, are you know, dying and suffering and societies are crumbling under the load of this debt, or is it just a fiction? It's both at the same time, yeah. amongst many paradoxes in the system, and it's basically based on class hierarchy. The higher up you are, the more immune you are. Just like the wealthy get bailed out, the rich countries get bailed out. It doesn't matter if the United States is $19 trillion worth of debt or $190 trillion worth of debt, if it remains the peak of the global empire, stratified countries. That's because there's so many underlying geopolitical stratums and backdoor deals that understand that this debt is fiction, understand that there's more interest in debt in existence than money. There's $200 trillion of debt, only $80 trillion in global currency. Right. What does that result into? It means that the lower class just gets screwed over and over again. You have the boom and bust cycle. There's always the boom. Everyone's all happy. Capitalism works and the bust happens. Oh, everyone suffers right now. The lower classes get destroyed by this. Like, then, like Greece, for example. Exa well, yeah. You could work on an international level or a domestic level. The same type of dynamics. And so the, when, the boom, when the bust happens, you have all of these uh, the large corporations can absorb smaller corporations. They have, the, they have the capacity to withhold. And then when they, to make a long story short, when the boom starts happening, when they start lowering interest rates, when they do QE, all that money effectively goes straight into the financial and corporate sectors, high-level corporate sectors anyway. And that's just statistic proven. That's also in the book. So in other words, it's a vehicle of class war. So debt has multiple levels, point being. Is it a, is it a fiction? Yeah. And we should recognize it as such. People should be clamoring to remove debt, student debt loan, government debt. Countries should not be held in austerity. There should be mass riots. But with, within the structure of capitalism, they have to make the math look like it works. If the math doesn't work in capitalism, well, maybe people might question it. <laughs> so, and what is interest as well? I want to point this out because I talk to a lot of people that look into currency reform. They want to use complementary currencies. They want to move to blockchain and Bitcoin. But they miss the fact that when you're in the banking system and it's based in capitalism, based in the capitalist structure, you have to do something to create fees. Interest is the fee. Interest is the profit margin. Interest is the surplus value, so to speak. So that's why the system is what it is. So it's inherent to the structure. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you yeah. can't just have capitalism and somehow have a different kind of currency. without. If you want to do that, you have to nationalize the entire U.S. banking system so there's no profit involved. And since this is the hub of the 1%, the wealthy 5% of this planet that own so much now, 40% of, excuse me, since the 1970s, we went from about 3% working in the financial services sector to about 5%. This is important. It's really 
has to do with what is our economy. Our economy used to be goods and services, especially after World War II. Europe was smashed. Japan was smashed. Germany was smashed. We were the only provider of pretty much everything. We had the booming 50s and the 60s, and I think we expected everything to be hunky-dory until later on other economies started to turn up and churn up their their own products. And hang on, I want to back them up just a bit here. Here we go. Percent of, excuse me, since the 1970s, we went from about 3% working in the financial services sector to about 5%. Okay, 60s. 5% of our real so-called economy is what we would call Wall Street. People that earn money on money. You're not producing a product. You're not doing anything. You're a piece of the economy. You're 3 to 5%. Listen to what he says and how versus what we actually produce and listen to the ratio differences over what is just a few decades. And the financial services sector was about 5% of GDP, and now it's about 30%. 30. So that 30% of GDP is going to 5% of the population. That's how, how powerful the small financial services Wall Street conglomerate is. So back to my point, you yeah. want to nationalize the banks where well, you're going up against the strongest political force in history. And a lot of these, a lot of these pe people, hedge fund managers and the such, don't actually do anything. They don't create anything no, of substance. It's just moving of numbers around a screen, yep. and it makes them incredibly wealthy. It is, it is, the, it is, the, it is the evolution in, social, in economically mature nations like the United States. The, that evolution is consistent. You see this happening with all countries. You go from merchant capitalism to financial capitalism. We outsource all our production. We are increasing dramatic efficiency, meaning that there's so much that we need to sell that we can't. So we subsidize that, so to speak, with all the financialization. Subsidize the wrong word. We compensate for mm -hmm. it through financialization. And that's why financialization has become so large and accepted, because it's really a driving force of the entire global economy now, even though it does nothing, even though it creates nothing and causes... 30% of the GDP is, is simply moving wealth from one piece of, or one place to another. It does not... 30% of our economy... Now, I don't know if that was supposed to end that way i don't think it was i think that's what happens when you corner the money system with something like a centralized bank because there would always be a certain amount of money changers and it'd be a certain amount of usury <laughs> you know bank loans and and if 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 you have enough banks open and people have you know 50 different choices to borrow money they usually can't have too many loan sharks so the more you have of anything the better off people are they have more choices and and they can't be cornered, and they can't be monopolized. But now you have 30% of our economy is based in Wall Street. That's it. You want to talk about some fucking power? And that's where we're at. I don't know. I'm not the, the brains behind uh, how the fuck you get out of this. But uh, a couple more minutes with uh, the two of these geniuses here. There's more in a balance. In fact, many theorists have argued that it's actually worse for Main Street, that financial... That's excuse me, the Wall Street even exists. It doesn't help Main Street at all. That's, right. that's well accepted. Well, hold on. Wall Street and capitalism, and I saw in another interview you, you brought this up as something you find frustrating where people keep, keep saying it to you, so that's why I'm doing it. Okay. Uh, but Wall Street and capitalism is how you got your cell phone and mm. your computer, and it gave you all these wonderful things, Peter. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All that capitalism is is an incentive system and a distribution architecture. 
So what happens inside of that is left to the will of the individual's gaming. So yeah, you can get efficiency with the rise of technology since the Industrial Revolution. Exceptional levels of efficiency has been created through design, through intelligent ingenuity, mm -hmm. not through just the incentive structure of wanting profit. So basically, technology came along with capitalism, and everybody the only thing capitalism that is, is the thing that got them all those you know health, good health devices and all that stuff. But I'll put it this way: during the Second World War, there was this merging the hatred of communism. Obviously, the, the U.S. capitalist hegemony did not want to have anything to interfere with it, mm -hmm. which, of course, bled into the Cold War for a long time and still basically exists in its weird echoes, as you know. And what they did, and the, the social planners, so to speak, government and big business got together and they tried to convince everyone after World War II, and keep in mind, the United States just terrorized the entire world with the atomic bomb. And that, that set a whole new precedent in terms of its new newfound place as empire. Right. It also had the infrastructure and this new industrialization that happened while Europe was in ruins. So it started to produce like mad. And it convinced the public that buying and consuming and working was going to create an egalitarian system that paralleled the claim. i got to back this up. i got the music for it. He's really talking about the era of the 50s and 60s. You know, it's like Dobie Gillis. Hang on a second. Jeannie Blair. Let me see. Let me see. There we go. See? Now, welcome to the 60s, where everybody has a washing machine and a car. That's right. Mom stays home. We're a nuclear family, and Dad goes to work. The kids are doing great, too. Both of them can afford college. Claims of communism. This is something that many people know about. So it would bullshit the people to think that the more they consume, they're helping the society, they're fighting communism, and they're creating more of an egalitarian structure because the more they consume, the more right. they create jobs, and the cyclical consumption. Of course, that doesn't quite work out that way, does it? Right. What? Come on. Baby, have you seen the new refrigerator? It actually makes ice. What? No more ice, man? I know. You're the best. I know. We were kicking ass back then, weren't we? America was like, you know, I was born in 61, so I'm like right in the middle of it. Too young to, but let's face it, after World War II, we were it. Not we were, you know, we were it. Period. We were it. The entire piece. Europe was smashed. Germany was crushed. Japan was crushed. Russia was in pieces. How many bombs were dropped in America other than Pearl Harbor? Yeah. We we were the only we weren't the biggest and baddest kid on the block. We were the only kid on the block. So then we were taught, "Oh yes, look how good things can get if you buy shit. Consume, consume, consume." So for a while, this this little charade it worked really well. It worked, you know, and <clears throat> we have to get off the gold standard and, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Petrodollar comes into play. Time to prop it up some more. We're not producing as much. Oh, yeah, by the way, everybody makes better cars than us now. Oh, well. Take me home, Pete. And that's funny how this just and now, and now, what percentage of America is, is, is under some form of debt? And, oh, uh, less than 62% have less than $1,000 in savings. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was something like 50% can't get past a $500 emergency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's the uh, you know, bounty that we've been promised. 43% spend beyond their means every year because of 
the saturation of debt. It was in the 1970s that credit expansion came forward because with the surplus goods that were being created, again, this very positive thing that happened since the Industrial Revolution, this increase in efficiency and the ability to move from factories produce, you know, like thousands of percent increase in factory production. So what do you do? You have to get people money to buy this stuff to get more money fueled to the upper percent, upper one percent. Right. So that was when credit expansion really, really hit. And that's actually something that we could talk about this, and I don't want to deviate too far, but p people talk about universal basic income. I'm in favor of this because it can help poverty, but there's a certain caveat to ba it. Basic income seems like it's, uh, it's getting a lot of people talking about it. It is. For and once. Now here, and even like Zuckerberg and these billionaires yeah, talking about yeah. Now why? Because it satisfies that need to give the population something so they can spend back into the system right. to keep supporting it and effectively variably, whether it's intentional or not, doesn't matter, it will just funnel right back up. So it's not about, you know, let's you know what, seven and a half billion people, let's give them at least a roof. You know, let's give them enough of an income so there's a roof, food, and medicine. Boom. Why are we doing that? Well, because we got big hearts? No, stupid. Because then they can spend some of that back and it comes to us. Greedy sons of bitches, man. Sometimes you think they're out, they're, you know, they're, oh, they're going to help us make things better. I just want another piece of your pie. The upper class anyway. But, but it's something, so, so that's, so, that's the problem of it, but you support it because it's a half step. I support it because it would increase, increase public health. And I don't want to see poverty. Yeah. I don't want to see this kind of suffering that we see across the world. So if the United States did do that, you'd see the massive increase in public health. But it would still preserve the system in a negative way. Okay, I want to jump to uh, to you know the violence we see in our society uh, you, you, with with our military, but with a, a police militarization and uh, and really just one-on-one -on -one citizens, the rise of violent groups and, and things like that. Can that be connected back to the market economy? He says knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let him go with this piece, and then I'm, we're going to come in and say goodbye. But uh, yes, of course, it's connected. Uh, the people up on the top of the hill know that other peasants angry hear noise. Oh, we should go crush them with rocks. And then, you know, now it's a tank or a urban assault vehicle. Bill Murray's driving. And they're coming into your town with SWAT teams. And we're all supposed to be used to it. Oh, that's just the way things are. What caused all of that, Peter Joseph? <laughs> I, I, any student of history will see that social inequality, by whatever perceived level, whether it's economic, whether it's racial, whether it's nationalistic, uh, whether it's aborigines versus settled you know, colonization, all of that has produced conflict. And what is the root of that? It's exploitation. It's the slavery, you know, when I was in school, that was taught that slavery in America was, oh, the whites just felt so superior and they would just enslave people because they looked different and had different beliefs. That's not at all what it was. We were using white indentured servants in, in, in the American colonies until it was discovered in, through the African slave trade, which existed prior, that, and which, by the way, these kings in Africa were selling the slaves outright. It had nothing to do with anything but money on both sides. So we realized it was a better investment to invest in slaves. It had no idea, it didn't make, make any difference what they looked like. It was just easier that right. they looked different because you could catch them if they ran away. So it was more value to it, it as an investment. That's what it was. That's cost efficiency. That is the driving mechanism of capitalism. So not to deviate from your question regarding the violence, but why is it that we have all this interracial tension after 200 years? It's because we started with this foundation of 
have exploited an entire subclass. And the, the Black Panthers movement, the Martin Luther King, all of the tumultuous civil rights, the violence, the deaths, this is an echo of a basic kernel of the capitalist structure. Mm -hmm. And that's it's sad to me that most people don't see it that way. They think that somehow slavery was separate from the new free labor of today. Yeah, it's free labor uh, in the abstraction of free labor when you're backed into a corner. So, yeah, I'm sure the people that are making 15 cents an so hour. You're, so you're saying there's not just something ingrained in us that makes us uh, force another class down. I can't go any farther into the conversation, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to drop the penalty flag. I told you his big words. I, I, I'm like 10 words. I'm like 10 minutes into his big words, and I'm like, yeah. It's got electrolytes. That's where I'm at, right there. I hope this episode reminds you that a tremendous amount of progress is being made. I felt like it was going to be made when Obama came into office. Then I realized I'd been fooled. And then I thought about it, you know, after he left office and uh, this Bernie Sanders fella. And then I saw what happened and I haven't made up my mind about this Trump guy, but he's certainly pissing people off and sometimes that's a great sign. Don't know. But what I do know is there are tens of thousands of people now. Tens of thousands of people worldwide and almost every bulletin board on any internet in any country at any given time period or anywhere longitudinally on this planet. You know what? They are talking out loud about a subject and educating each other and creating the knowledge and that power that creates the change. It's, it, it is a good time to be alive. Stay all over the internet. Feel free to message me uh, or at least tweet me. Ledge DC Radio, and of course, Dangerous Conversation Live on Facebook. If you have uh, somebody else that I should be keeping an eye on, I love the idea of being able to put the spotlight on some people I'm just bumping into, but are also doing a great job of creating some great changes. So many of them out here, it's, it takes a while to watch them all. Good stuff. You guys have a good one. I'm in the process of moving. Don't know about next week's show. If I land in time, get the studio set up, I'll talk to you. If not, there'll be a best up. Have a good one. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>